3: To Tarasenko, to Peron, to O'Reilly. They center, they shoot, they score.
4: Near side, Buchnevich, centers Thomas. He scores. Barbashev back to Sundqvist. Backhands far wing. They score. Brandon Saad has two in the game. Up the right side, Peron to Cairo. A partial break. He scores. Jordan Cairo. From the top of the far circle, across the front of the goal, and inside the far post.
3: Five seconds to go. They come to their feet at Enterprise Center. Blues
5: back in their own end with it. Bring out the Zamboni. 26 saves for Billy Huso. And the St. Louis Blues get the victory tonight. A 4-1 win over the San Jose Sharks here at Enterprise Center tonight. That's a little bit more like it, St. Louis Blues. Good morning. Happy Friday. Great to have you with us on Kara Chris Mallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. It's 701. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex Jeweler. Good morning, kids. How are we doing?
6: Good morning, Randy. It's a beautiful Friday morning in St. Louis coming off of Blues Victory. A
5: beautiful day in the neighborhood. Mr. Rogers, a beautiful day.
3: In <laughs> the you kind of are like Mr. Rogers oh, of media.
6: Is. He, he really is. He needs more lying. cardigans, but I
3: agree with Don't that. You be
6: Do you no. own a cardigan? Oh. I used to
3: roll with those in high school and thought, man, I am living. So <laughs> <laughs>
6: uh, the words that have never been said. I'm wearing a cardigan and I am living. <laughs> I am
3: living. I'm walking around Chesterfield, or no, it was uh, the Crestwood Mall with a cardigan, maybe a little turtleneck.
5: I'm living, baby.
6: You were refined as a kid, (laughs) big time. Wow, (laughs) big time time, sophistication.
5: You was the only
3: thing I could own.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Your St. Louis Blues, as you heard, Curbs say they get a couple of goals from Brandon Saad. They outshoot San Jose, 48 to 27. And here's the number that I think is really cool: the Blues took 79 shots, missed a few, got 48 on goal. And when you get 79 shots against the opposition, and by the way, San Jose only had 46. You're generally gonna win the game the Blues maintained puck possession in the offensive zone by a slight margin they won the faceoff battle they uh, in terms of hits were very strong although they did get out hit in the game but it was only 18 to 15 but the Blues played their game and that's the bottom line you get Torrey Krug back and playing the way that you expect him to play Uh, you get that new pairing with he and Colton Pareko and the Blues put their energy line together, Barbashev with Sonny and number 20, not Alexander Ander, Alexander Steen anymore, but Brandon Sod. That line was good, and the Blues win.
6: Brandon Saad certainly loves playing against the Sharks, doesn't
5: he? Yeah, four in two games is pretty good. Pretty
6: impressive. But, guys, I felt like the Blues had certainly absorbed the messaging coming from Craig Berube and coming from some of them after that losing streak, especially the last game. But when Bortuzzo drops the gloves three seconds in, you you know that they're setting the tone, that they want to inject some energy, some emotion, some intensity into this game. And I'm glad they were able to carry it through three periods.
3: Agreed. And I I thought Cairo was flying. I thought Robert Thomas was flying. I thought the Blues powered power play was sensational last night. That's as good as we've seen their power play move the puck and have chances. Ville Huso played well. Ville Huso. And I thought on the other night, I thought that would be the start for Huso. You you bring in the backup against a lesser team, maybe you rest Bennington and then come back with Bennington against the Sharks in a game that you really needed. I thought they needed that game last night. That was an, one of the more important, if not the most important win the Blues have had this year. And because of that, it is particularly interesting that Huso got the start. Yes, but I, I think after the other night, you're saying, okay, let's give Bennington the, the physical and mental rest. That's why I thought the other night against a lesser team, it might be a good little break after the Edmonton game in which he wasn't great. And the Blues had a chance to not only tie and win that game, but didn't and lost it late. So... Uh, good move by by the coaching staff to go with the direction that they did and and that was more what we saw last night is more indicative of how the Blues play after the game chief met with the media
7: you know you, you, you've been
2: pretty clear as you usually are about the things that you didn't like and the team responded tonight when that happens is it, is it a reassuring for a coach in terms of, of what kind of team you have in terms of their character their mentality
8: yeah i think so i mean well i don't question the character of the men like i don't question them character I like you're gonna go you go through stretches where you don't play well and um you go through stretches where you play pretty well and you still don't find a way to win Um, so like i know this team can play good hockey Um, you're not going to play real good hockey all the time and you got to find ways to win those games that's important because you can't play like as well as you want all the time just doesn't work in 82 games. It's a lot of games so You're gonna have nights where you're not sharp or you not, you not you don't have a real a game going and um, You need to try to pull out win somehow on those
5: That's a great response from a guy that you expect that sometime is going to knock over the water cooler or something mm-hmm. That's a great response
6: well, he can walk, knock over the water cooler behind closed doors, but yeah. he's not going to do it in front of the media. Right. But it is. It's a good, rational response. It's a long season. Guys have been coming back from injuries, coming back from COVID. There's going to be some sort of a, a get back to normal um, period there. But – I just appreciate that the Blues responded. The the task was thrown out there by their head coach that the past couple games were unacceptable and that they needed to crank it up, and they responded.
3: I think it's rational, but I also felt that they needed that. I I could sense in watching the other night, they were a little tight. You know, things were starting to get a little tight. Like, you know, we got off to this good start, but we're seeing, you know, like the goal at the end of the first period against Edmonton, the goal late that cost them the game against Edmonton. Then you go out against a team that you – you really should win that game mm-hmm. against Arizona and you don't and you can all of a sudden as a team and I think it's human nature you say eh, what's going on here you know and to your point Michelle yeah we're, we're missing some guys in COVID and some injuries have happened and people out of the lineup, but we're, we're better in this and we're not playing like it. And by the way, our our goaler isn't playing great. No. So you get a little tight, and that's why I just thought that yesterday was a very important win for them. Two of the
5: biggest stars in baseball won MVP awards last night. Shohei Ohtani of the Angels, a unanimous selection in the American League. Bryce Harper gets 17 of 30 votes in the, or Ohtani in the American League. Harper gets 17 of 30 in the National League. With 348 points, he out Juan Soto, who finished second, and Fernando Tatis Jr., who finished in third. And if you're looking for faces of your sport, if you're Rob Manfred, then all you need to do is look at the six finalists for the MVP award. No good surprise point. there. I would have voted really for Soto. But, yeah, th- those are the guys. Uh, I, I don't think many people, if they saw Marcus Simeon, would know him. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr., winning... Uh, Home run derbies, and obviously we all know Otani. We all know Harper. Soto has been in a World Series and won it. And Tatis Jr. is probably the face of baseball right now.
3: Yeah, I, um I'm really happy for Bryce Harper. I I know that he can be. I think for a lot of people, maybe divisive because of how he plays and the hair and you it's know kind of weird because he plays hard. Yeah, yeah. You it, think most people <laughs> would love that? And I. I love him. I I have always enjoyed from the day that he arrived. i had been following his career since he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated as a 16-year-old. And the thing that I'm most happy about is I went back and looked at when he was hit by Henesis Cabrera. And so let's think about that. He was hit in a very scary situation. um, And they held him out, obviously. He started out, Michelle, 0 for his next 16. Okay, And he'd also been hit on the wrist in that play. He was not the same. And the Phillies actually – I was doing a little digging on this last night. The Phillies did not have somebody to throw BP left-handed. So they brought a, a coach up to throw left-handed because they could tell things were not right with him in facing a lefty. Like, it, And, by God, I mean, it's human nature. Yeah. I, I would be <laughs> – I don't think you can get me back in the box if a no guy way. threw 98 off my face. No way. But to his credit, he was able to put that behind him. And I mean, that can really mess with any athlete. And he was able to overcome that. And all of a sudden, after the 0 for 16, he took off. Like he was mm-hmm. the bet in my mind, he would have gotten my vote. Randy, I can understand why you go Soto. But he was the guy for me because of how he finished up with the season and a team in contention. Um, now, if you're telling me who am I going with, Soto or Harper, I'd probably go Soto if I was going to start a franchise. But in this particular case, I give him a ton of credit because he came back from that, man. And it's yeah. that's that's a hell of a story. And fortuitous timing for the Museal Awards tomorrow yeah. night here in yeah. St. Louis because Bryce Harper will be here to
5: receive his Museal Award for actually making the call to Hennessy's Cabrera. It's and unbelievable. Saying, yeah, it, it, saying hey,
3: we're, we're good. I talked to Mike Schilt after that, and he said, man, Dan, he goes, You're not going to believe this. He goes, I've heard from Harper. Like they were trying to, to extend, me- uh, you know, text messages. He said, uh Cabrera has heard from Harper. And it was like less than 24 hours after it happened. And, yeah. and basically the message was, Hey, man, I know it wasn't intentional. You're, you're going to bounce back. I'm going to bounce back and don't worry about it. We're fine. And, and that. Now, eventually, I think it was Aranato, by the end of that series, got hit. And you knew someone was yeah. going to get hit. Yeah, yeah. And they did it right. They hit him mm-hmm. on the backside or whatever it was. And you knew somebody, whether it was Goldie or Aranato, was going to, to take one. That's just kind of baseball, whether you like it or not. That's just the way it goes. But he completely diffused that situation. Yeah. He himself 100%... Diffuse that. Now, if he goes out in the media or in social media and just goes, I can't believe this guy, and you can't get a 98 mile an hour down, a fastball down, and how can you let that happen? And this should never happen. I mean, then we've got an explosion. Yeah. Then you've got everybody talking about it. He completely diffused it, mm-hmm. totally. And may have saved some, you know what, and, and the long run with Cabrera. May have saved him, too. Yeah, true. Good point.
6: And that really speaks to the type of person he is because he could have easily just done that through the media, used the media as a vessel. It's not a big deal, whatever. The fact that he went out of his way to actually speak to Cabrera and other members of the Cardinals organization personally to talk to him and say, I know that this wasn't intentional. Everything's going to be cool. Not a lot of people would go out of their way to do that when they've taken a fastball to the face. Right,
3: exactly. And it's, by the way, case in point that the three batter minimum in some instances, is a terrible thing for baseball. Yeah, no doubt. Because D.D. Gregorius got hit in the middle of the back right after that, and Mike Schilt couldn't take him out. Couldn't do anything, right. Yeah. Uh,
5: Thursday night football, your Super Bowl favorites, the New England Patriots, winning their (laughs) fifth in a row now. At some point, they're going to have to complete a pass that's longer than 20 yards, which they didn't do last night. But now they've beaten the Jets, and they've beaten the Chargers, and they've beaten the Panthers and the Browns, and now the Falcons. So they are they are looking like a dynasty. Let me download again.
6: Dan because he wasn't here yesterday. Uh, yesterday Randy's big take of the day was that Bill Belichick is overrated and that the Patriots aren't that good.
5: Up to 67 and 76, by the way, without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback, he's wow, on a they're, roll. they're almost they're 10 games be, or nine games below. Uh, he is as a head coach without Tom Brady. Interesting. Yeah, his the, his uh, winning percentage is something like 478. Jeff Fisher's without Tom Brady is 512.
3: Uh, I, I'm gonna not take that. If this is take it or leave it, I'm gonna say that Bill Belichick is not underrated, Randy. Now, no, he's Rand- overrated. Or overrated? Um, he flat out coach, Randy. He's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. With Tom Brady, that's what good. you're gonna tell me, yeah, right? Yeah,
6: exactly. That was a good Randy. What did
3: you? What did you? Tell me you came back on him. I oh, of course.
6: Don't so listen I, to this. Said, she loves him. He, I said he's the head coach that went with Tom Brady over Drew Bledsoe. He made the decision. So he created valid the, point. the person that you're saying is the reason he had success. Very he was the creator. Point. So
5: you're telling me that if Mo Lewis doesn't knock Drew Bledsoe out of that first game in 2001, that Tom Brady takes that job at some point? After, after Bledsoe the year before, it signed a $103 million contract.
6: I uh, am almost done with Seth Wickersham's book, It's Better to Be Feared, about Brady and Belichick. Mm -hmm. Have you read it? Yeah, I'm almost done. I have, like, two chapters left. Pretty and good. then I will pass it along to you guys, because you should read it. It is incredible. I cannot believe that he was able to get so much access. He has stories in there that you would never think would see the light of day. It's really, really good. However, one thing that I have learned is that no one was high on Tom Brady. There was maybe one or two guys throughout his career that really thought he could be something. And even when he went to New England, it was kind of, okay, we like this guy. We're going to get him. But, you know. He'll be he's... a
3: product of the system. Correct. Kind of and
6: Bill Belichick helped turn Brady into what he is. They both have that intensity, that fire, that win at all costs attitude. And he took a chance on him and helped Brady become the GOAT. And
3: then do they explain why Bledsoe started that season?
6: You'll you'll read it in the book right What
3: about the Tuck Rule? What if the Tuck Rule doesn't uh the, the play against Oakland? What if that, with the Raiders, if that doesn't happen, that doesn't get overturned, maybe we're not talking about Tom Brady. Because of Randy's point that you've invested so much in Bledsoe, he was the backup, okay, it was that game, played well, you went, but now it's a full competition going forward. And if you've got 100 plus million invested in a player, Mm -hmm. believe me, he's probably going to get the benefit of the doubt. And I'm taking nothing away from choosing brady once well i think it was probably the, the right, right decision yeah because he understood
4: I'm how, to,
5: how to read the rams defensive signals so clearly <laughs> he he had that part figured out
3: you're not bitter or anything no not at all i'm I, i'm I, hey he's up to 67 and 76 dan I, how could I be bitter? By the way, we're, now we're going down a different road here, and uh, there was news with the Rams in the lawsuit situation yesterday. I am curious, I don't know if I've ever asked you this, if the Rams win that Super Bowl, do you think they leave St. Louis still? Yes. Okay, so that wouldn't have had a factor. Because Kroenke
5: already had the right the reason, of first refusal when he yeah. came
3: here. When he Not when he came here. When he
5: joined with Georgia, he got the right of first refusal. And as we know, he's all about money. Okay. So he was going to do everything he could to get to that number two market. All right. And I guess we should point out that with that news yesterday that Stan Kroenke has sent an email to the other owners saying, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to try to work a deal with St. Louis by myself. And then you guys are out on your own. There's a couple of points here. Number one, his people believe they can settle for $500 million to $750 million. Don't think that's realistic on his part. And the other roll of the dice for him would be is that if a court finds, if he does make a deal with St. Louis and then the NFL goes to court with him and he says that he only is responsible for court costs not judgments and the court says no he is responsible for judgments then all of a sudden he's on the hook for 10 billion by himself and there is no help from the league right so he's rolling the dice if he tries to settle with St. Louis and does he still has to deal with that indemnification
3: clause that he signed so there was talk then that he was trying to settle potentially, at least the, the report was, for 5 to $750 million yeah. to, to make this thing go away. Um, is that enough? Is that enough for the Team STL to say, yeah, we'll, we'll take that? Because if you go back to when they first started this and, you know, it was kind of thorn in his side and, and some people mm-hmm. were talking about it. You were all over it, Randy, to your credit. Ben Fredrickson as well, The Post. Um, I think a lot of people said, "Boy, that's great." The PSL owners got their money back, their investment. You know what? All right, we we made his uh, life uh, a pain in the rear. But now we're talking five hundred to seven hundred fifty million dollars. Is that enough for them to say, "Yep, we'll settle this and uh, see you down the road"? I don't believe that if he he would come with five
5: to seven hundred million. I don't think they would do that because I think there would be a perception that okay you've gotten your money from the guy who did the bad deed and there would be a perception that okay everything's over and the league doing what they did in voting 30 to 2 and sending Eric Grubman to town in a fraudulent manner trying to make St. Louis think they had a chance I believe that there would be a thought process maybe not accurate that St. Louis had settled everything when indeed they still have more fish to fry
6: And if you're St. Louis, why would you want to settle with him? Why would you want to give him what he wants? I know if the if the numbers right, you'd be foolish not to consider it. But But
3: what's the number?
6: Probably four billion. Right, Randy? Somewhere in that. that Right now, that would be it's either
3: five to 750. Let's just say if those reports are accurate or you're rolling the dice and you're you're saying, hey, let's go to court. You might walk away with zero. They feel exceptionally good about their case. Okay.
5: And by the way, obviously, Stan Kroenke feels like they have a case. The league feels like they have a case. Uh, he
6: wouldn't be he wouldn't be opening this door to try to negotiate if he didn't think that he was in a bad spot. No,
5: they the, the league knows that they're behind the eight ball here and they're squirming trying to find a way out. That's Dan. That's Michelle. I'm Randy, and we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line six five seven eight zero. Your peak and pit of the week on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> up into the peaks or into the pit peaks and pits join in on the conversation with character and smallman now text 65780 this is 101 espn
5: One of the things I look forward to at this time of year is getting together with my good friend Demetrius Johnson and the Demetrius Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation every Saturday before Thanksgiving for about 30 years has given out turkey dinners to underprivileged families in the St. Louis area. We walk around to the projects and hand out dinners, and my son Patrick has done it with me for 20 years. And tomorrow, we're going to have that opportunity to go uh, to the city of St. Louis and hand out turkey dinners. It's going to be awesome. Thanks to the friends of the Demetrius Johnson Charitable Foundation from... Good Schnucks stuff. and Coors Light, Cargill, Bud, bomberito Automotive Group. Yeah, it's it's amazing what he and his foundation do for kids in the St. Louis area. That's and great. I'm honored to be a part of it. That's great. I'm glad that he has stuff. It's time now for Peak or Pit. Uh, kids, I've, I've got a couple. Number one, on what might have been the last perfect golf day of the year on Tuesday, I got a chance to get out with my friends Chris Muir and Kenny Tucker out at uh, Fox Run, and we played golf, had a great time with them. And it might have been the best golf day of the year, Dan. It was perfect. It was warm. It was warm all day,
3: yeah. Until about 4 o'clock, and then it got cold. We
5: were done by then. Yeah. And my pit of the week was waking up this morning to look at my phone and see that it was 25 degrees. Mm. Mm. 25 degrees this morning, kids. That's my pit. Yeah. That's well, not good.
6: You're going to have a lot of pits coming up then. Yeah, I it's think gonna really going to get really cold.
5: Come
3: on, Michelle.
6: I'm just being honest. Positive. No, I'm being honest. I'm being realistic.
5: Such a Belichick fan.
6: (laughs) We're on to 22. (laughs) It's 25. We're on to 22. (laughs) Okay, so my peak of the week is Stan Kroenke clearly understanding that he's in a bad spot. This lawsuit and the way that this is unfolded, it is such great entertainment. I think it's fun to watch here in St. Louis because we have the background and we've been screaming from the rooftops for years now. This was fraudulent. The NFL is going to have to pay for this. Someone listened to us and it seems like everyone nationally was like, what? The Rams are back in L.A. Football's returned to California. Exciting. Great. And we've been trying to tell people that this lawsuit was going to be a big deal. And so the fact that the reckoning is coming and at least the league and Stan Kroenke realize that the reckoning is coming, that's my peak because it seems like this lawsuit is finally getting some national attention that it very much deserves. I
5: called up a friend with the case yesterday and said, I hate to
3: call you every day, but this is just so cool.
6: <laughs> it's just so fun. Do they,
3: they try not to, I'm sure, revel in it, but they're right. secretly, oh. I mean, as human oh. beings, how can you not be just like, if you've been working so hard for yeah. the last four or five, yep. six years, on this now see it come to fruition it's yeah, nice but they're they are uh they're tony Larusa
5: in the seventh inning this is this yeah. isn't tony Larusa after the final they're, they're, they're thinking ahead to the eighth and the ninth they, and how we are. match up and exactly, exactly. Yeah.
6: they're saying talk to me at 10 30 yep definitely and we'll tell you. yeah and What's... then and then my pick guys sorry is that illinois lost to marquette uh, basketball yeah. no kofi no understandable coffee. but still no that's that's uh, not cool. Well,
3: Good. that was my pit because you could be a Mizzou fan, you lose to UMKC. That's true.
6: Good point, Dan. It gets a little worse. <laughs> back
3: last night. That's a peak. Yeah, it was only allowed 37 points. Right, they were dominant. So UMKC dominated that game. I watched the better part of that game for like 38 and a half minutes you against did. Mizzou. Mizzou did not have a shot. I mean, they, they didn't have a shot to win that game. It was it was domination, and that was my uh, that was my pit. Didn't like to see that. The Slu Memphis game. I was okay with it because Memphis is full of pros and it's your first road game and you're figuring yourself out. So they'll try to bounce back against Mercer tomorrow. My peak, by the way, guys, um, in our jobs, we get to do some cool things. And so yesterday the Cardinals had a get together for some of the, the top sponsors. And so they said, hey, will you, you come and kind of help MC this thing with uh, Ted Simmons? And so my my peak is always being around Ted Simmons. Yeah. And the peak of it is this, every time I talk to him, I always ask him, why were you not bitter at being in uh, on the outside looking in for the Hall of Fame? And I went through the numbers of runs scored better than Gary Carter, more hits than this guy, did better than Johnny Bench, he did this over Carlton Fisk, and it took forever to get into the Hall of Fame. And uh, he said one of the great lessons that he learned was the first thing to do is to be a human being. He said, be a human being before you're a major league player, before you're, you are love art, which he loves art, before you're a teacher, before whatever your, your, your life's calling is. So be good to other people. And he said, why would I want to walk around with my life and be bitter? I've never been bitter. I'm never going to be bitter. And now I'm just loving it. He, <laughs> Good for him. I said to him, I said, because he's a big walker. He lives downtown. Yeah. I said, what's it like walking around? And, you know, you walk past your own statue. He goes, Dan, it's really damn cool. He said, <laughs> he goes, I make sure, though, the top is clean. Make sure. Yeah. You know, I said, yeah, make sure. Maybe those birds don't, you know, yeah. <laughs> they could not be a Ted Simmons fan. He said, it's just it's just been incredible. That's but great. to have those Hall of Famers to the greater point, Ozzy lives here. Bernie Federico lives here. Obviously Ted lives here. We're blessed. It's a it's a great sports town. Yep, a lot of fun. Let's
5: get
4: a couple of your texts and pit on 101 ESPN. Here's Andrew Marsh. Andrew, what do you got for us? All right, so it looks like we have a modern day Clark Griswold. This guy <laughs> So the peak got all the Christmas lights fixed, bulb by bulb and hung. The pit turned on the power, half of them went out oh no oh
6: no so what do you do with that you have to take them all out take them all down
4: well i've done that before them?
3: you've got to basically go line by line and plug them in and go okay where's the short no. and is this one broken and you know how some of them i don't know if you knew this michelle but i, I guarantee don't. randy does I know. <laughs> you have sorry randy <laughs> didn't bring randy up bad knows. memories <laughs> here but if one of the bulbs is out it could take the whole Bul- line out So then you got to go through all of them. And then that line, if you plug it into the next line, is the one that generates the power for the next line. So, I mean, you really – it's a maze. It's a
4: puzzle.
6: I'm not dealing with that.
4: Yeah. Uh, Next one we have is that the blues – they lost to the worst team in history, as this dexter calls it, the yeah, peak. Let's pump the brakes on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah well, They weren't
6: great, though. They
4: nope. looked great last night, though. Uh, the peak was finding some uh, some hard-to-find hard bottles of bourbon in time for the holiday season. Oh,
5: nice. Congratulations. There's a lot of people that need bourbon when the family comes
3: over. I can't see you doing just a quick shot, Randall.
6: Oh, no. I see um,
3: Michelle doing plenty of them, not no, you. That's, no offense, Michelle. Dan,
6: I f- that's a different phase of life. I Understood. phased out of the shots. Okay. I, I don't know. If I did a shot right now, I'd probably throw up.
3: Just a little fireball for you?
5: <laughs>
6: Why not? Just to warm you up.
3: <laughs> it's a cold, cold
5: <laughs> throw morning. Throw some logs on the fire, a <laughs> fireball
6: shot.
8: <laughs>
5: Thank you, Andrew. Absolutely. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service, text line 65780. Jay Delsing, coming your way next on 101 ESPN. We are right back
1: to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs>
5: Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy character Great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. You can hear Jay Delsing every Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. And you can hear him with us every Friday at 7.30. And Jay is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. You can also follow Jay at Jay Delsing Golf on the Insta. And Jay, I noted your post this week about... Pro V1 and Pro V1 X golf balls. And you point out that Pro V1 X are better for warmer days. And the regular Pro V1 is better for chillier days like today when it's only going to be 48. Why is that? Why is the regular Pro V1 better for a chillier day like today?
7: Hey, good morning, guys. You know, Randy, I don't I don't know the technology behind it, but it has to do with the, the cover of the ball these days. So the balls are so high tech. And the thickness and thinness of the cover has a lot to do with how it performs when it gets warm and when it gets cold. And uh, the only reason I can speak to that uh, definitively is because I've tried it, and I just don't get nearly as much performance out of one uh, once it's cold. And I definitely don't get much performance out of his body once it's cold either.
5: (laughs) Jay, I got to tell you, when I was in college, I played in a one-ball, one-club tournament at Forest Park, and this goes back a long time, I guess, thirty years or so, thirty-five years, and I finished the round with just a ball of rubber band, and that's not how <laughs> that's that's not how when you cut, take the cover off of a golf ball, how it winds up these days, is it?
7: No, it's not. There's all <laughs> different funky colors on the inside, and Randy, I gotta tell you a story. I used to give my dad uh, uh, golf balls. You know, we played the tour. I had a lot of contracts with Titleist and. But back in the day when the balls, when, when we were playing a balata covered, a really soft uh, ball, you could almost tee it up wrong and cut the ball. I mean, anything you did would send it out around. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I'd play golf with my dad, and he'd be playing a ball that was like egg shaped. And I'm like, <laughs> Dad, I got all these new balls, man. Just get a new ball. He's like, Nah, this is one of my favorites. <laughs> like, doesn't even roll, man.
6: It's <laughs> Well, Jay, last night I was looking at the top 100 golf courses in the world, according to golf.com. And I thought about you because you've played the most exclusive clubs or, excuse me, exclusive courses in the world. But is there a golf course that you haven't played yet that you would love to?
7: Yeah, Michelle, it's Augusta National. I've had, oh my gosh, you got to sound horrible, but I've probably had 50 opportunities to play Uh, when I was playing the tour, and I I turned them all down because I wanted to earn my way into Augusta, Hmm. and I wanted my first round to be, you know, that drive down Magnolia Lane and do that whole thing, and then I never did qualify, so I've got to call those people back and say, (laughs) please invite me again. I I want to come back.
3: I'm interested, Jay, why is Augusta so mysterious? Um, and, And you've probably walked those grounds you know, thousands of times but haven't played? And even for the pros, like you just said, it's almost mysterious to go there and to, to have a chance to play or walk the grounds. Why, why do you think that is?
7: You know, Danny, that's a great question. So they, they created this tournament. Bobby Jones um, and Jack Roberts created this tournament, uh, and, and Augusta was an old uh, nursery. And what um, they just wanted to have this this tournament that everybody could look forward to playing in uh in every every single year and something uh over the years uh i, I mean it's probably jones himself I, I think that's probably um what it was because he never turned pro he's you know the greatest amateur of all time and one of the greatest players of all time and i somehow or another w- place is located in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. it really is augusta is it's right on the border of South Carolina and in Georgia and somewhere over the years, Danny, the the um, they what I guess one of the things that they did more so than others is Augusta is the only place that never changes the venue. Guys so if we play the US Open, I played the US Open at Pebble Beach once, I played it at Wingfoot, they moved that venue all over the place. The one thing about Augusta that that is the biggest it messes with our minds more than anything else. And golf in general messes with our minds. But what what it is is that every single person that goes down there and plays, for the most part, has played the golf course 10, 15 times. Tigers played it hundreds of times. Every single person in the field knows exactly where the pins are going to be located on which day. And they know how to practice. They know how to prep it, and you still can't do it. And it's one of those things that when I watch the players and I, I take groups down there with my company and things like that, you watch all the guys are always practicing the same stuff. They're practicing from the same areas, you know, because the balls collect in the same areas. If you don't hit pull the shot off the hills on the on the green, send the balls all into these same little collection areas. And everybody knows what's going to happen. And only a choice few can, can pull it off. So I think that has a lot to do with it.
5: Hey, Jay, we, we've talked before about the match, which will be a, a week from today. And it'll be Bryson against Brooks, and we all put together our our dream match matchups, which I don't think we can include Tiger in anymore. But are there any professional athletes that you'd like to see out there? We've seen Steph. We've, we haven't seen Michael yet, have we? On a match, uh, we've seen Rogers, we've seen Manning. Are there any professional athletes that you'd like to see on TV in a match type setting?
7: Gosh, I, I'm, I'm such a huge MJ fan, you know that I, I I almost would love to watch him. And I know he loves to gamble. I know he loves to play golf. I don't know, Randy. When I was when I first turned pro, I got to play golf with Julius Irving, which if you remember back in the day, he was one badass guy. <laughs> and he guys he couldn't hit a ball out of my bedroom. He just could not figure it out. His arms were excessively long. His hands um, he needed oversized grips times ten because his hands were so big. <laughs> And I watched the great – I had so much admiration and so much – it's kind of like a man crush, you know. I, I watched him eat. I just watched him do whatever. And then when I got to play, him, I'm like, oh, gosh, you must hate this game because it's so hard. And so sometimes you get these guys that are studs in what they do, and then they go play golf and you go like, "Ooh, that's not so good to watch.
3: <laughs> Charles Barkley.
7: Look at Barkley. I played with Charles before he had the – what do you even call that? I don't know. <laughs> it's like a, it got stuck. It's like I was stuck and I can't, I don't know what you call it, but um, he is one, He's fun to sit down and talk to. I was on a plane next to him and listening to his stories of like, what life are you living in? <laughs> he has got an entirely different plan.
5: Hey, Jay, it's always great to have you with us. Have a happy Thanksgiving. We aren't going to be on next Friday so uh, because it's Black Friday and we'll be out of here, but we always appreciate your time and we'll be tuned in on Sunday, and we wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, All the best to you guys, too. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. That's our friend Jay Delsing. Jay Delsing Golf every Sunday morning at 9 here on 101 ESPN. You guys have a a pairing? that I'd like to see DJ
3: and Gretzky against somebody.
5: Oh,
6: that'd be
3: cool. That'd be a good one. I'm of the mindset that i'd love to see tiger i don't care what shape tiger would be Mm -hmm. in when he comes back but even if he's able to swing the club uh tiger and mj would be mine
6: can you imagine
3: yes that would be be amazing yes that'd be pretty cool yeah mj I, i i've seen mj swing the club i've seen tiger swing the club in person and it was remarkable um yeah i think that that would be mine isn't it amazing to think though that you could have that foursome DJ, Gretzky, MJ,
5: and Tiger. And in the Sesame Street, one of these things is not like the other. It'd be DJ. Yes. As yeah. great as he is. Yes. Because
6: yes. he's not the greatest of all time. He's
5: not the GOAT. That's Michelle. That's Dan. I'm Randy. Coming up, take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. We're right back
1: to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. <laughs> take it.
5: time for take it or leave it on 101 espn michelle dan and randy get your text into the air comfort service text line 65780 and the kids did you see tom brady's post-game interview a press conference quote-unquote that lasted about a minute on I did. sunday i did yeah not very happy and so tom says to jim gray he uh, said, press conferences after a loss are like coworkers emailing you before you've had your coffee. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but I imagine that's what it's like. Take it or leave it. That is not a bad feeling for a loss. If it's just an email before you have your coffee.
6: Well, here's the difference. If someone emails you before you have your coffee you don't have to answer it right away right you can settle in make your coffee wait till that caffeine kicks yeah. in and then you respond tom brady has got to respond to the questions being hurled at him minutes after he walks off the field and hasn't even had a chance to process the law so i actually think his scenario is far worse
5: well he also processes wins right and he does press conferences
3: let's be honest tom well. brady is not getting emails making forty thousand dollars a year so easy tom Exactly. Thank Come on.
6: You. When's the last time you think Tom Brady responded to an email himself and not had had a member of his team do it?
5: <sighs> yeah, he doesn't. That doesn't, I, he, that that does doesn't have happen.
6: time for email. No. He's stretching. He's eating avocado ice cream. Come yeah. on, Tom. Just, that's
3: just, just dessert, though. Just he's doesn't answer the crypto questions.
6: stuff. Like, he's too busy.
3: Yeah. Just answer the questions. It's not that hard. it's not. Be classy. Yeah. Tom, huh? you seem to be good after wins. Be good after losses. Yep, you're more than willing to do those commercials. Yeah. That's true. Yeah.
6: So I read a story, guys, about a man in China. His name is Mr. Kang. And he. W- I think I saw him
5: on 24 before. Did you? Yeah, back in the day.
6: Well, this Mr. Kang was banned from an all-you-can-eat barbecue joint for eating too much. The owner of the restaurant says every time <laughs> he comes here, I lose money. Even when he drinks soy milk, he can drink 20 or 30 bottles. When he eats the pork, he consumes a whole tray. For the prawns, usually people use tongs to pick them up. He uses a tray to take them all. Now, how Miss- big
3: is Mr. Kang?
6: I don't have an exact must size. Be part of the clump family. I'm Mr. Kang. But he says this restaurant is discriminatory against people who can eat a lot. He says, I can eat a lot. Is that my fault? Take it or leave it. You're kind of on Mr. Kang's side here. If you're going to promote an all-you-can-eat situation, Absolutely. Y- you're going to have to take it even when Mr. Kang comes 100%. in. 100 so. good with the bad. That's right. You know? I'm on his side. I understand that the owner's saying, I'm losing money because this guy is like a dump truck shoveling everything in. But i'm sorry don't advertise it then totally I,
5: agree i believe if i'm not mistaken that st louis social media hero tony x once got thrown out of a golden corral no for having lunch and then sticking around
3: for dinner
6: did they know who he was
3: no probably well, you, not. you probably should though if you're going to do that you got to pay twice no, i think it's I, all, I, I, all well, you can eat now hold on i mean let's set up <laughs> some parameters here let's let's at least set it up to where you get breakfast lunch dinner so that's I, I don't know what the wording is, at these particular
5: restaurants. But then yes, it should say all you can eat lunch, right. hours, and then all you can eat dinner, and then it's okay. Now inside those hours, let it rip. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, I feel sorry for Mr. Kang. I think, and yeah. think of like it, it, when I've gone to Chinese buffets before, I can eat a lot, but I don't think I could
3: pull that off. Oh, I don't think I could either. And I I have destroyed Chinese. Buffets. Really? Oh, delicious. Oh, They're so good.
6: I've never been to a Chinese buffet. Usually, oh, yeah. Usually oh, when I get Chinese, I'm having it delivered to my house so mm-hmm. that no one can see me. Understood. just about to get aggressive.
3: <laughs> I think everybody gets aggressive and the with the privacy that. of my it, own home. Yeah. Shades
6: drawn. No one look. Food just <laughs> flying everywhere. Usually it's on a Sunday. Sunday scaries. You Understood. What, pick up what I'm throwing down here. I'm
3: uh, over. I got you. Uh, <laughs> take it or leave it. Slew will set the all-time attendance record for a soccer game this weekend. I'm going to take
6: that. Well, I'll take that, too.
3: I think they might. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, folks in the uh, soccer community fired up about this weekend, as they should uh, be, as Coach Kalish has done a remarkable job with that program. They're undefeated and uh, in the NCAA tournament. Very cool. 10 seed, only undefeated team in the country which is amazing. Yes. It's fantastic.
4: They've done a hell of a job. All right, your tech 65780. Andrew, what do you got for us? So take it or leave it from the 314. The movie American Underdog will only refer to them as the Rams, never saying St. Louis Rams or acknowledging the city in any way. Now, this could be a spoiler alert because you two... I've seen it
6: yes so we're gonna go ahead and leave that because we saw it and there is a lot of stuff about st louis including aerial shots of downtown and the arch and so... a
5: lot of references to st louis rams
6: yes so we oh. can confirm that you can go ahead and leave that one
5: and actually i'll throw this in there not a single reference to los angeles
6: that's right good point
5: take it or leave it the movie will be a flop
6: i'm gonna leave it
5: okay i'm gonna say relatively speaking that it will be But I would guess that this movie will make money for them. So it'll it'll be profitable. But in terms of having a huge audience, no. Is it going to be like... uh What's, Raiders of the Lost no, Stars. I'm not quite there. Okay, no, it's
6: not going to be Avatar, but I I do think that a lot of people are going to be purchasing a ticket because they love Kurt Warner, the football player, and they're going to see a movie about Kurt Warner, the person, with football as a backdrop. Yeah, gotcha. just, just know that going in.
4: Well, and Zachary Levi is a he's a pretty good actor. He too. was a great Kurt yeah. Warner. Great. And he's he's really funny too. So, uh, take it or leave it. The Blues will trade Vladimir Tarasenko away for a top defenseman before the trade deadline this year. That's coming from Ken from the SUV. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave,
3: leave that. that. Jinx. I'm gonna leave it. I, I, you know, watching him play, and we've got uh, I think Joey Vitale coming up at 8:15. Uh, we'll we'll get into this, I'm sure, but talk about his play. I, I think his play has been very solid this year. It's been better than I expected. And I don't know that that defenseman is out there. I've tried to find uh,
5: a top-flight defenseman that would be worth what Vladimir Tarasenko mm-hmm. is worth, and I'm not finding it.
6: Yeah, I think that he's here for now.
3: For now, yeah. Going forward, after this year, or and you'll hear about it when the trade deadline gets here, or maybe you know we're hearing about it now, but. He has exceeded my expectations so far in the first six to eight weeks here of this regular season.
6: Not only in performance and health for me, but also in uh, approach. The way that he came in and did not make this a distraction and has been playing with a high intensity and buying in with the team and his teammates that surprised me not because he hasn't done that before but when you hear all this noise in the offseason about somebody that doesn't want to be here you expect them to be checked out and he has not been at all to his credit
3: he's been more physical than i thought he'd be he's had a couple of these goals where you can see he's testing the shoulder and and there doesn't seem to be hesitation with it Mm -hmm. and if you get that player you're getting a you know he's a five-time 30 goal scorer. he's already got what Mm -hmm. seven or eight this year he's on his way to 30 35 goals right these guys aren't falling off trees man he's a good player (laughs) thank you andrew if you're welcome, fun. Randy. We <laughs> Coming up next, if
5: you're a Cardinal fan, you want to tune in to our Fresh Take next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnucks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnucks Rewards app today.
5: It is 8.02 in St. Louis. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carricker, and in a couple of hours at 10 o'clock... You're going to be able to get Cardinal tickets today is red Friday and ticket sales for the 2022 regular season go on sale at 10 a.m. You can purchase single game, all inclusive tickets or choose from a variety of five, six and 10 game packs. And we're joined now by the Cardinals vice president of ticket sales, the one and only the great Joe Strom. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? i am doing
2: great hope everyone's doing well there as well
5: well first of all and we'll go through this a couple of times how can people go about getting tickets today for 2022.
2: well the easiest way to do it is go to cardinals.com at 10 o'clock and as you said you can purchase the 10 5 and 6 game packs as well as the all-inclusive tickets what a great holiday gift and uh, go ahead and get those now and be prepared for the upcoming holidays
6: And Joe, there's always a sense of urgency for people to get Cardinals tickets whenever they're released. But I would imagine you guys are bracing yourselves for a higher influx or at least an earlier influx, knowing that it's going to be Yachty year, Molina and Adam Wainwright's final season together.
2: It is going to be a special year as we honor Yachty and Wade throughout the year. And, And I think people are going to enjoy many of the outstanding giveaways tied into them and as we honor them each and every game throughout the season. And then it's going to culminate with that last weekend of the season. Uh, where we have a Yachty bobblehead one day, uh, O bobblehead one day, and then a nice uh, print that will be given away on the last day, and we honor both of them throughout the year. So that should be a fun, fun year, and uh, we've seen a lot of good baseball from those two throughout the many seasons in St. Louis.
3: Hey, Joe, is this the earliest you guys have had, the uh, the giveaways out in terms of, like, the bobbleheads and the jerseys and the various things that uh, are going to be offered for fans in 2022?
2: It is, Dan. It's actually it's the earliest we've had the get uh, items uh, scheduled. It's also the earliest we've put tickets on sale as well. And we did that for multiple reasons. The the biggest reason is that people are purchasing holiday gifts earlier and earlier every year. And so we wanted to uh, make sure that they had Cardinal tickets in their plans.
5: Cardinals Vice President of of Ticket Sales Joe Strom with us on 101 ESPN. A couple more things. I've had the opportunity, we all have, to take advantage of the all-inclusive tickets. And if people have a a big event, an important event coming up during the course of the summer, those all-inclusives are perfect for those sorts of events.
2: It really is uh, what we like to say with the all inclusive Your food and beverages are included, so you can leave your wallet at home when you come to the ballpark. And and people think all-inclusive, well, that's going to be an expensive ticket. all inclusive start as low as $59. We have different types of all-inclusives, uh, all the way from the UMB Champions Club, where climate-controlled, upscale menu, to an outdoor all-inclusive area in the Coca-Cola scoreboard patio. So, again, they start at $59, great gift either for yourself or for someone else.
6: Joe, when the schedule comes out, people circle a few things. The first thing is the home opener. And then I think most people look for the Cubs series. When are the Cardinals playing the Cubs? And I know that they have an opportunity to purchase several games with the Cubs pack.
2: You're exactly right. And you mentioned the schedule. This is actually one of the best schedules we've had in in, in many years. If you go through and look at the schedule, uh, we have a weekend. It starts really early in the season. We have a weekend in May where we play the Giants. We have a weekend in June where the Cubs come in town. Then you look at the first week of August. You have the Cubs in town on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You follow that up with the New York Yankees coming in town for a weekend series. You turn around to September. The uh, Cubs are in town over Labor Day weekend. And then, of course, you finish up the season with uh, the the tribute to Wayno and Yachty on the final weekend of the season. So it's one of the best schedules we've had. And if you look at purchasing the packs, all of these outstanding games are tied into the packs. So it's not just a pack made up of some of the less desirable games. These are the top games that are included.
3: Joe, how did uh, things wind up going for the Cardinals and baseball last year with, you know, some teams at full capacity, other teams not? uh, And and specifically with St. Louis, how how did the uh, ticket sales go?
2: Yeah, we were very thrilled with how the fans responded in St. Louis. We sold uh, just over 2 million tickets for the entire year, which was fourth in all of baseball, which was really outstanding because two of the teams ahead of us had full capacity for uh, most of the year. And and one of them had it for the entire season. So our fans responded like they always have. Um, And we know that it's going to take a little time to get back to where the numbers used to be uh, because I think people are – uh, still concerned a little bit about the group business. Um, we know groups are are, are are going to take a little bit longer to come back, but we are starting. Uh, we did start seeing a few groups uh, come later in the year last year. And and so we're anticipating a larger crowds this year, and I think the sport itself uh, is anticipating that as well. So when you think about it, last year at this time, uh, we were not selling tickets because we didn't know if or when we would have fans in the ballpark. So that's what's so cool about having tickets on sell as we look forward to the 2022 season
5: before this show is over we'll have one of those cubs packs to give away people can go to cardinals.com slash red friday and if you want to go old school tickets can also be ordered on the phone this morning at 10 o'clock at 314-345-9000 or you can go to the bush stadium box office and get your tickets there and as joe said be ready for the holiday season with your cardinal gifts joe always good to hear your voice thanks so much have a happy thanksgiving to you and your family and we'll talk soon
2: well, thank you. Have a great day.
5: See you later. That is Joe Strom with us on 101 ESPN. And Cardinal season ticket holders that have worked with Joe over the years know what a, a great human being he is. And one of the things the Cardinals will have, kids, in 2022, is a new bench coach in Skip Schumacher. He'll be working alongside Oliver Marmol. And Skip joined the Fast Lane the other day and talked about his philosophy in being the bench coach.
9: Well, you know, luckily I've learned a lot throughout uh, my career and, you know, I was so fortunate to grow up in St. Louis uh, in that organization, because, you know, when you get drafted, you don't get to pick and that's just where you go. And I was so lucky. And, you know, right when you leave that organization and you go to other organizations, you try to figure out how, you know, to get the Cardinal way implemented in that organization. And, um, you know, people ask all the time, you know, what is it, you know, what is it, what makes the Cardinals so, you know, so great and so stable and, you try to you know put your own spin on it, you know, throughout you know the years and you know, I was lucky enough to to be in the Dodgers organization and the Reds organization and and then obviously with San Diego and being on the other side of things um and just kind of learning and observing and watching like really good coaches coach and um so I guess to answer your question I think you know you have to have buy-in. I think for the most part, uh, the number one thing from a player is you have to have buy-in from the coach. So, if you if there's no buy-in and there's no trust, the thing goes sideways, you know, right away. So I think you know you look at you know with the Giants and a lot of the good teams that I was observing this year of like, hey, what is happening over there? Why are they doing so well? And Kapler and all, I think they had ultimate buy-in from the player and they trusted the staff and. Um, so I think the main thing for me is relationships and, and buy-in um, is what I found most uh, appealing you know, from these championship teams.
6: Isn't that what we've heard from the Cardinals? They parted ways with Mike Schilt because of philosophical differences. They want everybody to be buying in to the same philosophy and pulling the rope the same way. So to hear Skip talk about the fact that that's one of the main tenets of his his approach to being a good coach, I'm sure, is part of the reason the Cardinals find him so desirable.
3: I think it's easier, too, from a player's perspective, um, to buy into a guy that's been there and done it for 10 years in the major leagues and between the white lines. I mm-hmm. do believe that. Um, I'm not I'm not taking anything away from the staff if you played or not. I don't mean it that way. I just think it's when you have guys that have been there and done it, it's just easier to buy in. Um, you know, players can say, "Hey, I know what you're going through." I Skip can say, "I've been in that slump. I've tried to change positions. I've dealt with injuries. Whatever the case may be, I had a bad day with the media. Whatever." Same thing with Turner Ward, 12 years in the major leagues. Those guys have done it. So the buy-in, the communication, I think, becomes a little bit easier with those two guys there. And it's interesting what A.J. Preller has done because he brought in Skip, he brought in McGuire, he brought in
5: Pham, they drafted a couple of Rule 5 players that were only A-ball players. They're trying to emulate the Cardinal way, and that is to develop players and supplement them with stars when you get the opportunity, when you have the opportunity to pick up those stars. The problem is is that the the Padres haven't been able to develop players and get them to the major leagues. If you look at their lineup they all came from different organizations and I, I remember being in the dugout in the playoffs I think it was in 2013 Stan in the Dodgers president somebody said what do you want this organization to look like ultimately And he point it was in the Dodgers dugout and he pointed over to the Cardinals dugout and he said that's our model right there wow. and when you look at what the Dodgers are in terms of getting players to the major league level from their system and then supplementing them with stars from the outside they have emulated the Cardinals and done so with a lot more money.
6: Yeah, the Cardinal way is is clearly the secret sauce. A lot of people want members of the Cardinals organization to come there because they, as Skip Schumacher said, want to try to decipher what's made the Cardinals so consistently successful. And I think a good word he used was stable because how many organizations, even look at the Cubs, an organization that had won that wins, and then you have to bring it down, and then to bring it back up. The Red Sox, same thing, but the Cardinals have been consistently successful and stable.
3: Um, I think over the last 10 years, they're the third winningest organization behind the Dodgers and the Yankees, mm-hmm. and have done it with uh, $1.4 or $5 billion spent fewer, wow. Yeah, which is pretty Brilliant. amazing. Yeah, so comparative to payrolls and, and of the other two, so, you know, they've had sustained winning, because a lot of it is promoting with Within Whether you like that or not, and not trading off some of the pieces that they've had. Some trades work, some uh, trades don't. I mean, but you look at, I was saying the other day, I mean, the Rosarena one sticks out like a sore thumb for obvious reasons, but man, they've given up some really good pitching over the last three or four years to get Marcelo Zuna to get... Paul Goldschmidt to get Nolan Arenado, you know, good players that would been players that you would have saw here at the major league level with the Cardinals. So we'll see what they do this off season, and um, and let's hope you know the Cardinals are able to sell tickets to a regular season that begins on time too. That's uh-huh. the yeah. other thing yeah. that uh, you know you think about here. We're only a couple of weeks away from a lockout, which is um, not good for business. Yeah. Not not good at all. That's Dan. That's
5: Michelle. I'm Randy. That's today's Fresh Take on 101 ESPN. Coming up, blues analyst Joe Vitale with his Friday morning visit on Character and Smallman and Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by The Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org.
5: Let's go to the Brown and Croupin celebrity line and blues analyst Joe Vitale joins us every Friday morning here with Michelle and Dan and Randy on 101 ESPN. Good morning, Joey. How are you doing?
10: Excellent, Randy. I'm doing excellent, man. Thanks for asking. How are you guys today?
5: Good. Are you happier after the blues win a game? Like, Does the result of the previous night's game at all dictate your emotion when you wake up the next morning?
10: Yes, in a great way. And not me personally, but my, my son, Harper, especially. When the Blues win, he's in a better mood in the morning. And when he's in a better mood, mom's in a better mood. And when mom's in a better mood, dad's in a better mood. It's kind of got that weird trickle effect. So these Blues, uh, a lot's riding on the line. And that's why I show so much excitement. It's not really about uh, the, the, uh, the fandom uh, of this team, how much I love this team. When I've got the energy in the calls, it's about... It's about me. I'm selfish at heart. You know, it's about my son being happy, my wife being happy, and also me being happy the next morning.
6: Happy wife, happy life, Joe. We've all learned that, right?
10: Oh, man, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth?
6: (laughs) Well, Joey, the Blues broke a losing streak last night, and after the loss to the Coyotes, Craig Bruby did not mince words. He said the team was lacking energy and that they needed to pick it up. And, of course, you want to see them get the win last night, but I think a lot of us were also pleased with the effort and the intensity.
10: Yeah, no, the the effort, the intensity was there. Uh, this is a team that, you know, you start the season and everyone kind of forgot about them, you know, and, and I talked to some of the players about this, and, you know, I was talking about Colorado and Vegas a couple months ago and, you know, Tampa, could they go three P, is it possible, you know, and then the Blues were kind of, they were kind of forgotten about, right, the drama of, of Tarasenko, that was making headlines, and it seemed to be that he wasn't going to be moved, wasn't going to be a distraction, so the Blues were a team that, uh, for better or for worse, was kind of, kind of swept under the rug as a team that's probably not going to be there. So they start the season, and, and they had a chip on their shoulder. You know, they had a lot to prove, and they wanted to prove a lot of people wrong. And it started on that road trip when they went to Colorado, then Arizona, then Vegas, and they swept that road trip, and they started the year 5-0, and and they were just off and running. Then, you know, the year 5-0, and and this is just a, the human psychology, well, what happens from there is you, you start feeling pretty good about yourself. Man, we're, we're better than we thought. And then other teams around the league start to recognize that, and they say, "Oh, these Blues are for real, so we got to bring our A game." And then maybe at times you feel like you're better than you think you are, and then you kind of you kind of pull away from that that team game, and you kind of start doing some individual stuff. You know, case in point, you know Robert Thomas again, uh, a play that he knows he, he knows better, but he turns the puck over in Arizona behind the back pass. You know, 20 feet away from your own net, they score, and you know that, that to me there was a the difference in the game. So plays like that that weren't happening the first couple weeks of the season they start to creep in because again you're, you're playing well you're you're leading the division you're leading the conference and you kind of get a little bit relaxed but I think you know losing four in a row then then the psychology starts to shift okay we've lost four I talked to the team some some of the players yesterday before the game there there was definitely some fragileness there was some um, tentativeness in, in, in their speech there was some fragileness there was. They weren't quite sure anymore, and that's what happens when you lose four. So I think when you lose four and that fragileness starts to creep back in, then, then what do you do? You have to lean back on that team game. you got to get back to the group. you got to get back to what made you successful in the first place, and that's playing that, that team identity of grinding it out, shift after shift, playing on your toes, playing physical, and that's something the Blues really got after last night. And, and from top to bottom, the goaltender on out, Everyone was at the very top of their game. It was pretty fun to watch.
3: Yeah, that was uh, they were flying, and I, I thought the power play was just awesome last night, Joey. And and, and you mentioned Robert Thomas from the day before, and the, the the puck was just finding him. Cairo was all over the place. They they just seemed to have a, a little extra gear last night.
10: They did, you know, and, and Robert Thomas and, and Jordan Cairo are they're becoming just some. Really fun players to watch. Yeah. You know, I, I've spoken about Jordan Cairo quite a bit, about how he brings you on the edge of the seat, at least he brings me on the edge of the seat. But now Robert Thomas, to me, is going to really join that, join that category. You, know, you, you, go back, you go back over the last four to five years, and under Doug Armstrong and Bill Armstrong, who was the assistant GM, now he's in Arizona, there were, there were these draft picks that were happening. And, and this is how good teams are built. You have to draft well. And now we're starting to see the benefits of, of some really good draft picks with Thomas, with Kyrou, Clem Costin, even though he spent a couple of years in the minors and he spent one year in KHL because of COVID. But some of these, some of these pieces are starting to kind of peek their head out and say, hey, these were good draft picks. Um, they're meaningful draft picks, and they're helping our team win. Scott Prunovich, another one who, you know, Dan, as you know, was in the game last night, his second NHL game. He gets his first career point. He's up there with that second pairing with Justin Falk. I mean, a kid that was um, in college a little over a year ago, winning a Hobie Baker, he's now playing 20-plus minutes for, for a great team, just pushing the lead division. So a lot of great young pieces are starting to kind of peek their heads out in this organization. So it's a good balance of the veterans and O'Reilly's and the Perons, uh the Terracinkos. But now you got this next wave of this, this youthful team, and, and we'll see how this thing kind of shapes up. But this, this could be a situation in the next couple of years where these young guys really do kind of grab this thing, take over, and then the veterans, as they age, can kind of filter down to play that kind of second, third-line role, which is what they need to be doing uh, at their age at, the, at that time in their career. So you really got to commend not only the, the drafting of Bill Armstrong and Doug Armstrong, but the coaching of Baruvi and staff to groom these kids, to get them ready, but ultimately the ownership of these players, these young players like Cairo and Thomas and Prunovich that have really kind of jumped on the scenes, grabbed this thing, and are really starting to take control of it.
5: Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN, and Joey, we will not have a show next Friday, so you can take Black Friday off, or you can go shopping if you so desire. But I have a question about Thursday, because as a guy who can find his way around the kitchen, are you the turkey guy in the Vitale household?
10: So I'm not. I, I can't. I can't take it on anymore. Too many kids, Randy, unfortunately. But what we do is we we have everyone over at our house. It's going to be about 50 plus this year in our house, and. It's kind of a cool thing. We we gather everyone together, but everyone brings something. So I actually got the text message chain out last week. Who's bringing what? My brother Sam and my brother-in-law Aaron are doing the turkeys. I always take care of the mashed potatoes. My my wife always does the stuffing. And then it just kind of goes from there. So everyone kind of brings something. Because, you know, at the end of the day, people always say, like, what can I bring? What can I bring? And I, and I used to say, oh, don't worry about it. Just bring yourself. But now I'm like, I'm too busy. Like, yeah, bring something. Bring whatever you want. Bring an extra babysitter. I don't care. Like, I, I need <laughs> hands. I need help. I need food. I need everything. So, now everyone kind of pitches in, and we kind of do our thing. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, it's an Italian Thanksgiving. It wouldn't be an Italian Thanksgiving if we didn't have some sort of meatballs and spaghetti, which my dad will be participating in. And then, uh, as, as you guys know, we've talked about this before, Godfather. Godfather is going to come on uh, at some point throughout the evening. It's a Thanksgiving and Christmas special in the Italian household. Uh, nothing like seeing Al Pacino and Robert De Niro in their prime, black and white. Uh, the godfather the greatest movie of all time will be shown with adults with the kids that's that's why i saw my first guy get shot i was like four years old he traumatized <laughs> me i saw robert de niro with a, a rag around the end of a, a muzzle and he shot this guy i was it was a little it was a little hard for a couple of years i got through it and uh, i think it's kind of uh, one of the things that the kids need to get used to it helps mold the young ones right joe yeah, it helps mold the young ones, you know what I mean? That's a good way to look at it, you know? So, uh, you know, a little violence early on in their life. Uh, again, if, if it's the Godfather, it's okay. Anything else, not so much. But, no, we're looking forward to it. And uh, we live in Kirkwood, obviously, so they have a turkey trot that comes flying through our town, so the kids would be all, all geeked up and excited about that. The Blues are actually in Chicago on the day before on Wednesday. Our new team are in Detroit the day before on Wednesday, and they play in Chicago the day after Thanksgiving. So the team's going to be in Chicago but I think Curbs and I we're gonna we're gonna road trip it. Once we get into Chicago, we're gonna try to drive through the night just so we can be home with the family. Because uh, when you're that close, it's it's hard to stay away. So we're looking forward to that day.
6: Joey, what's the dish that you make? I know you're the bread guy. Does that mean that you're on stuffing duty? Because I know you're whipping up something in the kitchen.
10: Yeah, it's gonna be the mashed potatoes. You know, Michelle, yeah, that that's that's my thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. You gotta go with the Yukon Gold. Um, it's the starch level. It's the starch level. Yukon Gold is the best. For mashed potatoes, Um, it's a bit of a science. I know probably a lot of people out there listening are going to be making mashed potatoes. If I could give just two pieces of advice that'll take your mash to the next level. Number one, after you boil your potatoes, you got to drain them, throw the potatoes back on the pot, back on the stove, and stir them aggressively. And what's going to happen is you're going to see all this steam erupt, okay? That's good. You want water out of the potatoes. Get out of the potatoes. You want as much water out of the already cooked potatoes as possible because then what happens next is when you throw the butter, the cream, the milk, whatever you're going to throw in, the drier the potatoes, the more they can really soak up, right? You really want them to soak it up good. So that's number one. And number two, it's a a bigger piece of kitchenware that you're only going to use once a year, but it's worth the investment. It's called a ricer. It's like a big old press that you put all the, the cooked potatoes in and then you basically press, I think I like get a garlic presser, but this is for potatoes. And you press it and it kind of goes through these, these little teeny holes in the sieve, but it makes the best, the creamiest mashed potatoes. And then the more, the more butter, the better. But uh, yeah, Michelle, that, that's, that's kind of my thing. It's, I got it down to a science. I'm a little, I'm a little kooky, a little crazy about it, but uh, at the end of the day, it makes a good, uh, makes a good mash.
0: Joey,
5: you're always fun to have on the show. We love you. You're the best. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Have a, a nice run here up until Thanksgiving with the St. Louis Blues, and we'll talk to you soon.
10: Thanks, Randy and Dan and Michelle. You guys have a great Thanksgiving as well. And uh, stay safe, stay, stay warm. And we'll be talking guys in a couple weeks.
5: You bet. See you later. That is Joe Vitale on 101 ESPN. Coming up, another edition of The Fight with Michelle, Danny Mac, and Randy.
1: We are right back to the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on character and small.
6: Mac, Michelle Smallman, and Randy character here with you on this Friday on 101 ESPN. And it is time for Dan's favorite segment of the day. Yes. It is the fight. Yes. And, Dan, you weren't with us yesterday, but Andrew defeated right. Randy yesterday. So he's back for more.
3: Nice work, Andrew. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. Let's make it two in a row. Let's do it.
7: Absolutely. Let's do it. Andrew, right. you ready to go? Yes, ma'am. Let's
6: do it. All right. Question number one for Andrew, our current champion, our reigning champion. Who was the last professional hockey player to play without a helmet? Was it Gordie Howe, Craig McTavish, or Bobby Hull? Gordie
0: Howe.
3: Okay. What was the name of Roy Hobbs' bat in the 1984 baseball movie, The Natural? Was it Lightning, Hercules, or Wonder Boy? Wonder Boy.
6: Still haven't seen that movie. I, I know, it's shameful. The, but, Dan, you know this. The list of movies that I haven't seen Oh, uh, we got to get
3: you going. I'm going to start making a list right now.
6: All right, make the list, Dan. Okay. You know, it's about to be really cold, and I'm going to have nothing to do, so I'll let's attack start the making list. the list right now. I love it. Question number three for Andrew. Which Cardinal player upset at an attempted trade to the Phillies took his case to the Supreme Court? Was it Kurt, Kurt Flood? Flood? Oh, Andrew, what's up?
3: Okay, and after retiring as a player... With what team did baseball great Babe Ruth spend one year as a coach? The Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants, New York Yankees.
0: The New York Giants.
6: All right. We're checking our score. Let me confirm with Andrew. Correct. Wave in old Randy Carriker. Come on. He's texting. Come on. He's on his way in.
3: Come on, Randall. This was fast, Randy. Yeah, this was.
6: Andrew knew what was up today you remember him randy he's the one that defeated you yesterday
3: all he did is win win win, win. yeah
6: So go ahead randy say that again your mic's on now what your mic's on now
5: oh uh yeah did your son have a happy birthday because of that yes he did thank you that's awesome good
6: love the sportsmanship here yeah randy are you ready ready question number one who was the last professional hockey player to play without a helmet
5: that would have been uh for the blues craig mctavish
3: What was the name of Roy Hobbs' bat in the 1984 baseball movie, The Natural? Uh, Lightning struck his tree, didn't it? And it was uh,
5: Wonder Boy. But then, actually, Roy Hobbs' bat that he hit the home run with was the Savoy Special. The home run at the end of the... So it could be either one of those, but I'm going to go with Wonder Boy.
6: All right. Question number three, Randy. Which Cardinal player, upset at an attempted trade to the Phillies, took his case to the Supreme Court?
3: Mm, I'll go Kurt Flood. After retiring as a player, with what team did baseball great Babe Ruth spend one year as a coach? The uh, coach, huh? After retirement. One year. So
5: he wound up his career with the Boston Braves, but he was a player for them. Uh, I'll do the lifeline here, Daniel. Brooklyn Dodgers, New York Giants, New York Yankees. Would he have gone back to the Yankees as a coach? Dodgers, Giants, Yankees. I'll go Giants, Dan.
6: Close fight between our reigning champ, Andrew, and former champ, Megamind, also known as Randy Carricker. Did Andrew fight to see another day? Will he be back on Monday for a chance at the Hall of Fame? Andrew, let him know.
1: The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Brought to you by
2: Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997.
6: I heard you groan, Andrew. I I feel (laughs) that. I share that sentiment. And it was close. Randy just edged you out three to two. It was a close fight today. So the last professional hockey player to play without a helmet was Craig McTavish.
3: Uh, the name of Roy Hobbs' bat, Randy did get both, but we uh, gave you Lightning, Hercules, or Wonderboy. We went with Wonderboy.
6: Um, the Cardinals player that was upset at an attempt to trade to the Phillies and took that case to the su- Supreme Court, you both knew this, was Kurt Flood.
3: And the Brooklyn Dodgers, last team that uh, Babe Ruth was affiliated with as a coach. So you both got that wrong. You went with Giants and Yankees, and uh, it was the Dodgers, Brooklyn All Dodgers. I do is <laughs>
6: He's so pleased Just with win, himself. baby. <laughs> Andrew.
3: Don't laugh at it, Andrew. It's not funny.
6: <laughs> Don't enable it, Andrew.
7: We listen to it every morning. Uh, we love listening to you all.
3: Well, thank you, Andrew.
6: Thank you, Andrew. And thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. It was a great two fights from you, and we hope you have a great weekend. Thank you.
8: I appreciate it. I'll come back and try it again. There you I, go. I, I missed the Hall of Fame a couple years ago. I missed about one
3: question, so oh. I, I want to try it again. What was the question? Yeah. Do you remember? Oh, my God. I, it was
7: something to do. It was... Uh, Jimmy Edmonds was the answer, and I guessed uh, Larry Walker, so I was way off. Okay. But I, I don't remember the exact question. Oh,
3: man. Mm. Um, we Jimmy are back, and... baby. We are back! <laughs> we <right>. are
6: back! <laughs> <laughs> I see we have some new sound to work with on a Friday.
9: Mm-hmm.
6: <laughs> anyway, thanks, Andrew, and thanks for listening. We appreciate you.
8: Thank you very much. I appreciate
6: it. Is that what you were doing in the studio this morning? Oh, you know what? That was the wrong one. You I already mean played that. that one. Go ahead, go ahead, figure it out.
3: Oh no, we don't need him. Can you believe? By the way, Michelle has not seen The Natural. Really? I just one of the all-time great movies.
5: I'm not really
6: a movie person.
5: That's clearly. one of the all-time great movies, and yeah. they show it like it once a up, week though? on the. Does it hold up? It's a great movie. Okay. It is. Okay, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, yeah it, it holds up, so it's good. All
3: right, feel the dreams.
6: I've seen that one. Someone just um, texted in, have I seen Slapshot? The answer is no. I've not seen Slapshot either. Oh, my goodness. I know.
2: Get over it.
4: (laughs) Wow. Dan's about to lose it right now.
6: (laughs) Between Randy's sound effects and his gloating over the victory and my list of movies I haven't seen, Dan's in a tough spot right now. It,
3: It is. Craig McTavish not wearing a helmet. That was weird at the end of yeah, everybody the one wearing, guy. Yeah. yeah, everybody was wearing a helmet, and he spent some time in St. Louis. And uh, we saw him at the end when Mike Keenan was trading for every potential former Oiler. Mm-hmm. Craig McTavish was one of them. You had Essatiek in and out there. You had Glenn Anderson. You had Gretzky. You had all of them. Hell, you had Grant Fuhrer. Charlie Huddy. Yeah, Huddy was there. Yeah. Didn't so- have Paul Coffey. That it's, would have been nice. And it would have been nice to have all those guys in their prime. Yeah. They, they were prime. not in their prime when yeah. they were here. All right.
5: Uh, thanks, Jonathan, for joining us on 101 ESPN. Coming up next. That was Andrew. Andrew. Sorry. Yeah. My bad. David Perron joins us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the character and Smallman podcast
1: on 101 ESPN. He gets the job done on the ice every night. Uh-huh. He tucked in like you'd put the corner of the seat underneath your mattress in the morning. Blues forward, David Perron, and he joins Carriker and Smallman right now. Perron, he scores! On 101 ESPN. Driven by pure performance. The only stop for all your aftermarket vehicle needs.
5: to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and David Perron is with Michelle Smallman, Danny Mack and Randy Carricker. David, good to have you with us. Good morning. How are you doing?
8: I'm doing well. Good morning.
5: Uh, I'll bet it is kind of like a load off the shoulders to get that victory over San Jose for the whole team last night.
8: Yeah, I, I, I think the, the great thing about it too is it, it felt like it was a full 60 minutes by um, everyone really uh, contributed and uh, that's That's why it felt so good. I think uh, at times we had wins this year where uh, it was maybe one line over or maybe our fire play was good or uh, our goalie was outstanding or something. But we, I don't know, it it felt like uh, we played some pretty good hockey in Carolina and uh, against the Oilers and then obviously um, expecting to win that one against Arizona and and not getting the result was uh, extremely disappointing after uh, getting those, those couple losses over the weekend, so it's definitely nice to to get a big win last night
6: and david it felt like you guys were playing blues hockey that you really leaned into your style of hockey again last night
8: yeah no that that's it and that's something that chief talked about obviously uh having more physicality blocking more shots uh playing deeper in the zone where our forecheck can really take over hounding pucks um uh, and and we saw that last night and obviously uh he put that line together with, with Sonny and Barbie and, and, and Saad, and uh, we've seen Sonny and Barbie, what they can do together the last several years. And it just felt like so uh, comforting, so great to, to see them play together the way they did. And Sodder kind of jumped in there and, and fit right in uh, like, like they did usual. So it was, uh, it was uh, fun to see that line uh, play last night.
6: David, we know how important Oscar Sundquist is to this team. What's it like for you guys to have him back out on the ice?
8: Yeah, he's just a guy. Like, uh, I saw something that Tory Cruz said about him, and, and it's so true. Like, any any day, whatever happens, Sonny is being Sonny. He's, he's just a funny guy to be around. And you know that he's a gamer. He shows up at the right time in games and uh, in, in practices. He's just the way he is, to Like, guys can get on him, trip him all the time. He takes it so easily. And uh, he does a good job of keep, keeping the mood uh, light around the rink. But when it's time uh, for business and to work hard, uh, obviously we saw uh, Sauter's second goal yesterday. Like Basically, Sonny started the whole play from behind the goal line. A lot of poise with the puck and then skated all the way up the height to make it a back and pass for basically a tap-in for Sauter. So that was an uh, unbelievable play by him. It's only his second game, and I, I expect him to even get keep getting better, keep getting his legs under him, and uh, we're only going to be a better team because of that.
2: I'm
3: curious, for a guy that's uh, been in the league for a long time, when you see a young player, and a lot has been made of Scott Perunovic, uh, finally get that crack at it, and you see the nerves, you see the excitement, you see him going on the ice by himself, wh- what's that like for a veteran to see uh, the young kids realize their dream?
8: Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's it's why we play. It, it gives you a little bit of more energy yourself. Uh, whatever you're going through, I think, you kind of keep putting past that, and you're like, all right, well, let's, let's keep pushing because it's all worth it uh, even more. And, uh, no, it, it's great. I think he keeps it to himself pretty good, too. Like, he didn't really show any uh, nerves or anything, and I'm sure he had some, but he kind of uh, just just play along like nothing was going on. He's been making plays on the ice like he's supposed to because that, that's his game, and uh, he's really poised with the puck, so he's, he's definitely uh, adding a lot to our group right now. And, uh I mean, he had a chance to play a lot of minutes the last couple of games. With, I think he played with Falk last night. So uh, he's going to keep getting opportunities if he keeps playing like that.
6: And, and, David, not only did he play with Justin Falk, but he's living with Justin Falk. And we've seen a lot of these young guys come up and live with some of the veteran players. Jake Neighbors living with Braden Chen. If you were a young player breaking into this Blues team and you had to live with one of the veteran guys, who would you want to live with?
8: <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Uh I feel like Shender would be a really good one because he just takes care of of everyone around the rink. Like pretty well. He, he likes being on the phone, like talking to people. If, if guys need something like treatment uh, or really anything to be set up like restaurant wise or on the road, whatever. So I think he's definitely up there for sure. I think a guy like Colton Parako is probably one of the nicest human beings that anyone's going to meet, uh, would be up there on the list as well. Um, Maybe it's maybe a sneaky pick. I think Tyler Bolzak's a guy also that makes guys, uh, young guys, older guys, anyone comfortable. He's uh, he's a guy that's been around as well, and he's uh, he's got kids. So sometimes being around kids uh, for a young guy, it's it's fun. You can play uh, mini hockey with them in the basement, all that stuff. It's good. <laughs> hey, David, who was that guy
5: when you came
8: up to the Blues? Uh, well, probably Keith Ketchuk was uh i mean it was different times we talked about it before like i think walt was uh extremely hard on me but at the same time when it was time uh, for thanksgiving dinner uh, christmas dinner if, if i had no one in town if i know nothing to do he'd always be there for me inviting me over and like i said we'd end up in the basement uh, me and uh, matthew brady and just gonna play hockey for a while and uh, now playing against them it's, it's pretty cool so obviously um i think walt uh Again, it was different times. The Walt is uh, a lot similar to to what those guys are doing uh, for Jake and uh, and Brunovich right now.
3: You know, we're giving Michelle some trouble here, um, David, because she she needs to see slap She needs to see some other movies that uh, we we told her you got to see these movies. So when you're on the road, and especially during COVID, you know what are you doing on the road? Are you watching movies? And if you have some suggestions, we're we're all ears.
8: Uh, yellowstone t v show for sure oh, okay. I, that's uh, that's what i was on i just finished it and i know there's a new season coming out right now uh, yeah like that's that's basically it uh i'd be on t v show i i watched uh blacklist uh, a little while ago too with uh who was it Raymond reddington or something that that guy was awesome uh no just just t v shows really that's that's gonna I, I i need a little bit of like um in between time, though, to, to kind of get addicted to a new one, because I feel like if you try to step into a new one too quick, um, you, you just can't get hooked on it. So uh, that's what I've been trying to do. And now this year we're able to go to restaurants. And uh, for me, that's one of the biggest things, just to be able to leave the hotel room is, is a, a huge plus. For I bet. Yeah.
5: But, David, it's, it's my understanding that in juniors and peewee, that Slapshot is a staple, right? The, if you rode a bus in Canada, at some point you watched Slapshot.
8: Yeah, it's, it's a classic uh, bus ride uh, movie. I think in Quebec, we also have the, uh, from uh, the Rocket Richard, uh, they, they came up with a movie kind of around the time when I was growing up too. So that's uh, definitely a staple in in, uh, in the French towns. If you're driving around uh, on a bus, you're, you're definitely looking at that. It just kind of gives you that that hunger that well to to go through a wall really and if you're heading to a minor hockey tournament maybe it gives you that extra step to to want to win the tournament all that stuff it makes you dream about maybe one day playing in the nhl All those moments so it's uh it's a really cool uh, all those movies are great
5: david a couple more quick things number one the puck is not going in for you lately how do you go about helping your team win when you know the puck is going to go in for you eventually but it's not at the moment
8: Yeah, well, I've I've had my chances. I've had some uh, last game as well. Uh, Sometimes sparks are rolling. Sometimes, like you said, you're rushing a little too much. Sometimes you're a little too slow with it. So uh, It's just dealing with the situation. I think, obviously, with the way my uh, my season started, kind of going through a few things, uh, trying to take care of that, making sure that I'm staying on top of my game, making sure I keep improving, wanting to move my feet a little bit more. That's something I talked about with Chief, and I felt like my last uh three or my last four games were were some of my better games this uh this season talk about carolina Edmonton, and and last night um not not so happy with my game against Arizona, but <clears throat> starting to get there i I'm starting to feel a lot better about that stuff too and uh I also try not to worry about like too much of that like if if you make plays, if you can contribute like uh like we did let's say last night on the power play. Uh, we were really moving the puck well. We we scored a big goal for our club, and it's not only about goals. Uh, we see Robert Thomas. He, I mean, he doesn't have many goals this year, but he's he's driving the play. He's making great great passes out there. He's, uh, he's a playmaker, and uh, if that's what i got to be for a bit, then uh, that's fine. I've had seasons where sometimes the puck going more than that. Sometimes I... I kind of turned more into a playmaker and uh, I just got to find uh, the, the right mix of everything here.
5: And finally, David, uh, I don't, uh, you assisted on the winning, the final goal, not the winning goal, but the final goal for Jordan Cairo. And I laughed out loud at his facial expression when he scored that goal. Did you notice that? And what kind of joy is he playing with?
8: Yeah. He's, I mean, he's fun to play with. And uh, I, I actually thought last night him and I were one of the better games of uh, just kind of clicking, like he always likes to bust out of his zone, all, all with his speed, all that. I was able to find him a few times uh, past the defenseman, and it's something that the other times we played um, together, I, I wasn't really able to do that. So I'm, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to build off of that, and uh, I don't know. It, it kind of looked like the Doge Doge uh face a little bit, so maybe we'll have to come out with a Cairo coin or something. that's uh, <laughs> that was a pretty funny face.
5: It was great. And you're always great with us. Thanks for taking the time. We do appreciate it. We'll talk to you hopefully next week. We've got Thanksgiving next week. But by all means, have a great run up to Thanksgiving.
8: Sounds good. I appreciate it. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, David. I will. Thanks a lot. David. Okay, bye.
5: See you later. David Perron with us as he is every week here on 101 ESPN. Those hockey guys are just mean people, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Nicest did, guy did ever. Did you see the the facial expression of Kyrie awesome. when yeah. he scored? It was so great. great. Yeah. <laughs> He's a funny guy. That was David Perron. That's Michelle. That's Dan. I'm Randy. And coming up, Stan Kroenke threatening to come to St. Louis with a settlement offer without the rest of his NFL colleagues. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money.
5: It's 9.04 in St. Louis, your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Randy Carricker, Michelle Smallman, Danny McLaughlin, and yesterday, Ben Fisher of the Sports Business Journal broke the story that Stan Kroenke is willing to break away from... The NFL and try to settle his part of the lawsuit against St. Louis on his own. Cronky's reps sent an email to the rest of the league and said they want to settle the case and they believe they can for 500 to 750 million dollars. Mediation set for Tuesday, and they'll try to reach an agreement there. Probably unlikely that uh, that'll happen, although it is likely their last chance to avoid a public trial. In the email, uh, is quoted from. Cronkey's attorneys, if we continue to not get any assurances from the league regarding the allocation of damages, we will have no choice but to try to resolve the case on behalf of only the Rams and Mr. Cronkey. You have a fractured NFL right now, a league that was once built on League Think, on New York being willing to share TV revenue with Green Bay that no longer exists now. Every, not, I'm not saying everybody's out for themselves, but Stan Kroenke is out for himself. Jerry Jones is out for himself. Dan Snyder is out for himself. Robert Kraft is out for himself. You have a lot of owners that have gone off on their own and aren't thinking in the best interests of the league right now.
6: But didn't we see this coming a mile away? Didn't we know that Stan Kroenke was ultimately going to do what was beneficial for him and not the NFL? Didn't we know that there was going to be a fracture at some point, whether it was other owners turning on Stan, Jerry Jones and inevitably turning on Stan, or Stan being the first to turn on them. We could sense this coming. These are selfish people that only care about their own net worth, not about the the vitality of the league as a whole, not about the shield. It's about their checkbooks.
3: So, Randy, I mean, we, we were talking about this earlier. What's, what's the number that Team STL would say... Okay, that's good. We'll, we'll take it, and we walk away from this thing, and you're going to pay us X. Well,
5: first of all, they're actually giving Kroenke credit for trying to bring everybody together because it doesn't make sense for them to be fractured walking into this court case with a suit against Kroenke and the NFL and all of the owners. $500 million to $750 million is not going to be the answer. Certainly, the, the first offer of $100 million, why even bother offering $100 million? But the way the lawsuit was written originally four years ago, the way that's written right now, actual damages would be at four billion dollars. So why would they want to go seven or five hundred to seven fifty with one person and take the chance that a court might say, okay, you've settled, you're you're done, the the league is now exempt because the guy who actually moved the franchise, you've settled with him. I don't think that. St. Louis would do that with Kroenke for 500 to $750 million. I just get the sense that it's going to cost a lot more. And I also do get the sense that Cronkey is trying to pull everybody together under one umbrella rather than push everybody apart.
3: From the team STL side, and I, I don't know the answer, that's why I'm asking you, um, who ultimately would make that decision as to whether or not that money is good enough to settle? Or, or do you have people from the county and the city that would is it the mayor? Is it uh, people from people, the county? Yeah. Y- That's exactly you know.
5: what it is. the The plaintiffs in this case would be presented with uh, an offer by the lawyers, and so uh, Bob Blitz and Ed Dowd and uh, that gang would go to to Shara Jones, and they would go to Sam uh, Sam Page, and they would go to the leader of the uh, the commission, the sports commission, uh, Kitty Ratcliffe. And those three are the, the main plaintiffs, Paige, the representative for the county, Jones for the city, Ratcliffe for the CVC. and those three would make the ultimate decision based upon the advice of their attorneys.
6: I hope that they don't settle. I know if there's a number that is reached, they might consider it, but I would really love to see this play out in court. I would love for a court of law to tell the NFL and tell Stan Kroenke that what they did was fraudulent.
3: So what happens next week?
5: The December 3rd hearing? Yeah. That's about the owners that were requested to divulge their net worth not doing so. Okay. And we'll find out what any punishment for the, those owners would be if indeed they haven't uh, agreed yet to agreed, if they haven't provided the information
3: that has been demanded by Judge McGraw. I'm fascinated to see what that price tag would be. What, what's it going to cost? What, what mm. would uh, this group feel comfortable with and saying yeah we'll settle that's good we'll move on i I don't know i don't know if there is a price tag for those folks i I would imagine some of that camp say absolutely not if we're we've come this far and we feel this confident about the case we see how they're reacting on the other side let's play this thing out but it's it's a gamble i mean it's a lot of money that you'd be walking away from it sure is yesterday ben
5: fisher who wrote the story for the sports business journal joined the fast lane and he was asked if the nfl thought they could get away with this
2: I think they sincerely thought that it was it was ridiculous that a judge would hold that that relocation agreement was a contract with the city. Um, They probably shouldn't have been so sure about that.
5: That's a problem that they have. And it's a contract because it was agreed to by the American U.S. Conference of Mayors back in the 90s. They after the Browns left Cleveland, that was really the linchpin for The stringent relocation guidelines and they should have maybe looked at some history and a lot of these owners weren't around when the browns moved and didn't know jerry jones admitted he'd never read the relocation guidelines (laughs) maybe they should have known the guidelines and why they were in place
6: but this is kind of uncharted waters for them because a lot of these owners everything that they've wanted to happen so far as they've been the owner of x nfl team they've been able to figure out a way to make it happen money usually does that and so even though the relocation guidelines are set and clearly what they did was going against everything that they had already put into place in every other scenario they've been able to figure out a way to make something work for them with no consequences so why are we surprised that they didn't take this seriously
3: welcome to the real world what it is. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, you, you've been around this from literally day one. I still think that there's a chance that the league can put together a compelling settlement
5: offer and they could settle on the courthouse steps. But I do believe, and Michelle has mentioned this, that St. Louis wants the NFL, wants it known if they don't know already. They want it on the record. That St. Louis was done wrong and the relocation application filed by the Rams was an absolute
3: sham and St. Louis is what the Rams and the NFL portrayed it to be. And then the fallout of this one way or another if they settle whether it goes to trial and team STL wins. What do you think that does for the NFL moving forward with some of these teams that are holding city hostages uh, holding a city hostage for whether it be a new venue or upgrades. Good question Dan because the reason that this
5: lawsuit was filed back in 2017 is because st louis didn't want what we're enduring to happen to another city they wanted a deterrent they didn't want the nfl going to another city and say hey yeah build a stadium hey spend this money you're doing this right this right this right just keep doing that and then have the team taken away anyway Mm -hmm. and so what st louis wants is a deterrent to protect other cities all right, one other note here. We've got Mizzou football at Columbia tomorrow. They have a chance to clinch a bowl spot with a win over Florida. Shamanade. To... do it. Yep, two chances. You need one win. Yep. Last week, Florida allowed 52 points to Samford. Mm-hmm. Not Stanford, who isn't very good anyway, but FCS Samford. They allowed 42 points in the first half. Brady Cook came on to finish the game out at quarterback for Mizzou, the Shamanade product. We'll probably get some snaps this week, too. What challenges do the Gators present?
11: You know, we think it's going to be a dog fight. It's going to be a four-quarter game. So, you know, we've got to prepare just like any other game. We've got to prepare with a 1-0 and mentality, and we can't take them lightly. You know, we just need to make plays. This defense has shown that they are liable to, you know, some big plays and shots down the field. And I think we can, you know, kind of attack them there and get them on their heels a little bit, um, get them discouraged, and just uh, keep attacking throughout the full four-quarter game.
5: Expect to see a lot of Tyler Beatty tomorrow. The the Gators can't stop the run and the Tigers can run. And you might have a 41-38 kind of a game. Might be a shootout. Should be a lot of fun. But I'll say Mizzou has a chance. At the beginning of the season, I would have thought they would have gotten blown out by Florida. Now I think they have a chance.
6: Well, you know that they're not going to be afraid or nervous going into that game that Eli Drinkwitz is going to have them mentally prepared. You yeah. you heard what he had to say before facing number one, Georgia. Any, any member of that team that you heard said, this is an opportunity for us to make noise, not yeah, they're a really good team and we're going to have to give them our best. This was the the spin zone was in place. So, you know, that Eli Drinko will have the mentality, right?
3: Three o'clock game tomorrow, Mizzou and the Gators of Florida, Florida, eight and a half in that line. Um, But that's a big game for Dan Mullen, too. Yeah. I mean, he's on the hot seat with Florida. By the way, there was uh, some uh, reports last night saying that um, our buddy, the lane train could be moving from Ole Miss down to Miami. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah. He gets around. He does. He's amazing. But I mean you think about that fertile recruiting ground. I mean, they're eight and two this year too. They have the third best offense in the country. Yeah, they're really good. I mean, he, he knows offense. I don't think there's any doubting that, but wouldn't that be something if he would jump ship from Ole Miss and go down to Miami? Amazing. Yeah. Dan, Michelle, Randy, coming up, the great one. And Janet Gretzky,
5: the St. Louis Center, are going to be in town tomorrow night to receive Museal Awards. We're going to talk Museal Awards. They've got a huge event coming up tomorrow. Frank Viverito, president of the St. Louis Sports Commission, next on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
5: Carriker, Smallman, and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Yesterday, we had a chance to talk to William Burke and Dan Kanopski. They're Bills fans from the Bills Mafia who are going to be honored tomorrow night at Stiefel Theater at the Musial Awards, presented annually by the St. Louis Sports Commission and Maryville University. Frank Viverito from the Sports Commission joins us now on 101 ESPN. Good morning,
0: sir. How you doing? Good morning. I am doing great. I listened to that uh, uh, interview yesterday. It was very entertained. Can't wait to meet those guys.
5: Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. And every year when the Museal Awards come up, I, I ask you if you can give us a little under the radar. We know about Wayne and Janet Gretzky. We know about uh, Bryce Harper. But give us an under the radar award winner for tomorrow.
0: Well, she, she's not totally under the radar um, but because she's our extraordinary character Uh, honoree this year and and that's a big award but she's Zaila Avant-Garde and she's the first honoree at the museums in competitive spelling. She's the uh, National Spelling Bee Award uh, National Spelling Bee winner. She's the first black American to win the spelling bee ever. She holds um, world records for juggling and dribbling basketballs, she's 14 years old, she's irrepressible, she's overcome any obstacle you can think about, and and she's just a joyful, inspirational person, and I can't wait to meet her either, And, and it's a night full of moments like that.
6: Wow what a resume at such a young age that's so impressive Frank well I, I know that people can nominate um, names who are going to be honored at the mutual Awards, but how do you determine who actually gets the honors
0: <laughs> well it, it's it's kind of an evolution an evolutionary process through the year because we we uh, um, we collect all, all of these stories there's hundreds of them that come in uh, from you know throughout the year, they, they go in a folder. Every month or two, we go through every nomination and every story that we've pulled you know off the off the news uh, that mentions sportsmanship, and and we'll sort of pull our pull our. Favorite stories are are perfect stories, and and then we do this one more time, uh, you know, in in May or June, and and we look to put together this jigsaw puzzle of. Different stories, different perspectives on sportsmanship, different sports, uh, d- different ages, different, uh, different, different everything, and 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 then as you sort of you know put the stew together, you you come up with a show that just resonates w- with humanity in in the sense of of you know different perspectives, different. People and, and different ways to think about sportsmanship. So you know we have a lot of input, and 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 then every year, you know, in the summertime, you know, pretty much agree on on what's going to make the best show and the best honorees.
3: One of the honorees, uh, Frank, is the National League MVP now, two-time winner. And I mentioned this earlier. Bryce Harper, after he was hit by the pitch in St. Louis, went over his next sixteen. They had to bring in a left-handed pitcher, uh, a coach, to throw BP so that he could kind of get back on. Track. Track and not be skittish when he get in the when he would get in the box, that adds to this story, doesn't it? To, to what you're going to have tomorrow,
0: it t- totally adds t- to the story. And uh, you know that that's the, that's one of the incredible parts of this night is is that some people are at the height of popularity, Wayne Gretzky, Bryce Harper. Um, others you've not heard of, but, but they all have this humanity in, in common. And, and for Harper to be named you know, MVP, fortunately he bounced back from, from that incident. Um, you know, what he did to make sure that Henesis Cabrera, you know, felt okay and, and was doing okay after that incident is 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 incredible. And it's such a great lesson that, that we can all act that way in, in our lives, and, and it's a thrill to be able to honor him.
5: Frank, are tickets still available for tomorrow night?
0: We have a couple hundred tickets available. Um, they start at $10. You can get all the information at com. Uh, you get free tissues when you arrive at Steeple <laughs> Theater. You're going to need them. Uh, it's the best ten dollars you'll ever spend, and and trust me, that the ten dollars isn't going to make or break the Musial Awards, but but it can change your life. So uh, take a shot at it and come join us tomorrow night.
5: Go to MusialAwards.com. dot com, and I think it's I hope it's safe to say here a lot of the discussion this mor this morning surrounding this guy. Safe to say that Stan is not going to win a Musial Award?
0: <laughs> now, the Bidwell family did win a Musial yes. Award a couple of years ago, but it is safe to say that, that Stan Kroenke will not be receiving a Musial Award tomorrow night in St. Louis. Or any year. <laughs> or, or probably any year. That, yeah,
3: not probably, Frank. Correct.
0: Let's go on the record
3: and just say any year.
0: It's done, Dan. Uh, I'm Thank with you. you.
5: Thank you. (laughs) Frank, it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks so much. And thanks for what you and your incredible staff do for St. Louis. And this is going to be nationally televised again on Christmas. We love it. And we'll see you tomorrow night.
0: That's great. Thank you all.
5: Take care. That is the great Frank Viverito. He is.
3: He's such a great gentleman and such a great ambassador for St. Louis sports. Well, we we talk so much, and rightfully so, for things like the Cardinals and the Blues and mm-hmm. the major college sports that that bring so much to St. Louis. But it's the the things like skating, wrestling, the various things that uh, there are rabid fans of that that will support it, and they do that here in St. Louis. And that's Frank and his team uh, putting that thing on, so it's great. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the Carragher and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now?
4: You're killing me, Smalls.
1: You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101
2: ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. They sell the most so you can save the most.
5: before we get to your killing me smalls it's Red Friday. That means it's your opportunity to get your Cardinal tickets for 2022. There are a variety of 5, 6, and 10 game packs available. All you need to do is go to cardinals.com slash Red Friday. They start selling tickets for the 2022 season at 10 a.m. and you can either get them online or go to the Cardinal box office downtown at Bush Stadium or call 314-345-9000 and get tickets. But if you'd like to get some Tickets from Carricker Smallman and Danny Mack. We have a Cub Pack for you. And all you need to do is text in and be the correct answer number 42 of this question. Michelle, what
2: is it?
6: So we heard from new Cardinals bench coach, Skip Schumacher. He was on the fast lane yesterday. We heard some of the, the stuff that he had to say about his philosophy earlier in the show. But there was another new addition to the Cardinals coaching staff, and that's Turner Ward, who played in the, the league for about 12 years. And he is going to join the Cardinals staff as the assistant hitting coach. And Turner Ward is being reunited with a member of this Cardinals team, an active player that he has coached before. Who is that player? That's your question. And what number, Texture? 42. 42. So 42. be Texture number 42 right now. Who is Turner Ward reuniting with on this Cardinals team?
5: And if you are the winner, you get a Cardinals-Cubs five uh, pack of games. A Cubs pack includes games on June 26th, August 2nd, August 4th, September 2nd, and September 4th, all against the Cubs. Texture number 42 with the correct answer. It is time now
2: for...
6: You're killing me, Smalls. So, speaking of Cardinals baseball, this video got a lot of play yesterday, as it should have. So, in Glynn County, Georgia, right now, the Ahmad Aubrey case is going on, and there are a lot of people outside the courthouse, a lot of volunteers, and there is a video of people who are out there serving food to people who are there, and one person in particular got a lot of attention. You, you're looking at someone, you're like, who's this guy wearing a camel hat and gloves serving food to people who are outside the courthouse? It's one Adam Wainwright, and it's just another example of the way that Adam Wainwright continues to practice what he preaches and, and serve others in his community.
5: He's a better human being than I, and I just have so much admiration for Waino and the things that he does and the thoughtfulness that he puts into the things that he does. He's really just an incredible human being.
3: Certainly is. Can't say any more about him. Continues to uh, give back, and that'll continue next year in uniform, and then... Uh, I'm excited to see what he does when he's finally done playing and just how much, I mean, he dedicates a ton of time anyway, mm-hmm. to what he's doing and his charitable efforts and whatnot, but uh, pretty amazing dude for sure.
6: You're killing me, Smalls. A guy who's not so amazing and who isn't in the news for positive things is Antonio Brown, who's in the headlines again. So his former live-in chef is airing him out, saying that Antonio Brown obtained a fake COVID-19 vaccination card so that he could avoid NFL protocols. His chef said that AB's girlfriend actually texted him, saying that Antonio Brown was willing to pay $500 if he could get a Johnson & Johnson vaccination card. And you're probably thinking, well, why would his chef want to air him out like that why would he put him on blast well because there was a fallout over an uncollected debt the chef his name stand by. let me give it to you right here Steven Ruiz a B owes him 10 grand and so he didn't pay the bills and the chef said you know what you're you're not paying your bills I'm gonna let everybody know who you really are so um, now there's an investigation into this a B's agent saying that he is vaccinated but just one more example of a B being in the news for a hmm. negative thing
5: sounds to me like perhaps A.B. returned some of the food that the chef made and they were sour grapes.
3: (laughs) One billion dollars. That's how you said it. Sour
6: (laughs) sour grapes.
3: Um, I liked the fact that uh, speaking of chefs, now I'm transitioning here and you're killing me Smalls but uh, I believe it was Bryce Harper's chef that was pictured on the like you know how they when they give the awards the whole family's there, the wife, the kids. Mom or dad, maybe, some neighbors, coach, longtime coach. And there was the chef. There's the chef. Yeah, chef helping out uh, mm-hmm. Bryce to make sure he earns, you know, the top condition for his $300 million contract. I like that. Thank the chef, too.
6: Safe to say that the relationship between A.B. and his chef has spoiled.
3: <laughs> I would say so. One million
5: dollars.
6: You're killing me, Small. You know, I have seen that movie, okay, by the way. Good. I have all seen right. Austin Powers. That was a staple <laughs> when I was growing up. I've got all three of them. Do you,
3: yeah, I'm Blu ray at home.
6: Which one's your favorite? The Beyonce vehicle,
3: yeah, me too.
6: Go, yeah. What's that gold number?
3: Yes, I, yeah, I think so.
6: Yeah, she was great.
3: I like it when they're in um, Boxy Cleopatra,
6: <laughs> yeah, good one. Yes,
3: when he and Scott are in therapy. I, I just Scott, the son yeah. of yes, of course, yeah, Scott. <laughs>
6: <laughs> you know what? I need to revisit that. that. That was a great, and where did Mike Myers go? He had. Movie after movie after movie, and then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? I'm done.
5: Everybody that was in Shrek. lessons. Yep. Everybody, <laughs> everybody, that, everybody, says everybody that was in the Shrek movies made so much money they just retired. Him, Eddie Murphy, Cameron Diaz, they're done.
6: That's the gig if you My can get it. My life is
5: quite inconsequential, really.
6: <laughs> if you could be the voice of an animated movie, oh, you just wear awesome. sweatpants, you roll in, you voice something, and then you collect the checks.
5: That oh. would be the way to go.
6: We need to get on that. Dan, you're the voice of the Cardinals. You have a a great voice. You need to be the voice of an animated broadcaster. We need to make that happen.
3: I was told I was the voice of the virus yesterday. The voice of the virus? Yeah, because they would walk into Schnucks and hear me saying, um, you know, stay separated and, you know, folks are cleaning out the aisles and said, yeah, that was what I heard all the time when I walked into Schnucks. You're the voice of the virus.
6: <laughs> Thanks. I'm, I'm imagining the virus being like, and now I'm infiltrating your body, you see, well, and you I, are yeah. going to be sick.
3: <laughs> so that's what they said.
5: Yep. Wow. Thanks, Michelle. You got it. Coming up next, we're going to go back to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line and Scott Hansen, the host of NFL Red Zone, will join us, talk some football, and have some fun on 101 ESPN.
2: Why make trillions when we could make...
5: Billions? We are right back to the Character and
1: Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. One, two, three, four.
5: Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carriker are with you on 101 ESPN in St. Louis. We head to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Scott Hansen is the host of NFL Red Zone, does a magnificent job there. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Hansen, H-A-N-S-O-N. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Good morning, gang, and happy Friday to you. Doing well, doing well. That is good to hear. I wanted to ask you what it's like like in the early window last week when you have Patriots over the Browns, 45-7, you have Bills over the Jets, 45-17, you have like multiple blowouts. Does it matter to you when you go to a game what the competitive level of the game is, or do they just say in your ear, go to Cleveland and New England?
11: Yeah, yeah, that's a good question because – i I don't care who wins any game for for all of the listeners out there that think I'm a thus and such fan or I'm against this team or whatever, I, I and the staff, we are truly neutral, but what we do root for is drama. And the only thing that can that can hinder or 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 hamper NFL Red Zone are blowout games. because when we decide to go here or there, we're making a bunch of value based decisions. Based on a number of things, and one of the top things at the list is, what's the score? Is it a competitive game? You know if, if we got a thirty five to seven game and it's in the fourth quarter, that game is decided. If that team goes inside the twenty yard line, we might choose to show you a twenty seventeen game that's on the 35-yard line over the red zone action of a 35-7 game. So the only thing we don't want is blowouts. But, of course, they do happen, and like you like you stated right there, we had a couple of the last week.
5: Sure, you don't want blowouts, but then when you have to turn to a 16-16 Lions-Steelers, Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
11: other thing we don't
9: (laughs) want well Scott
6: then last night's Thursday night football game I'm sure was a red zone nightmare when you have the Patriots beating the Falcons 25 to nothing Randy is not a believer in this Patriots team he doesn't think that they have what it takes to be a playoff team what do you think
11: gosh last night as I'm just the game was over and this thought flashed in front of my face, and I'm sure people have already probably stated it, maybe now that they had this type of a performance, but again, the Falcons aren't anything special, but but Tom Brady goes and wins the Super Bowl, and I don't think it proved that, oh, he was the reason that the Belichick-Brady Patriots had all the success, but it did demonstrate Brady can win without Belichick. What type of an insane world would we be living in if Belichick the next year comes back and proves, yeah, you know what? It wasn't just me that, that was the reason that we won all those Super Bowls, but Brady, I can win without you. In fact, I can win with a rookie quarterback. And he's doing that so far. And I'll tell you what, I don't I don't necessarily buy into the Patriots as a Super Bowl contender. They are absolutely a playoff contender at this point. I don't believe in them as a Super Bowl contender, I don't think, yet. But the way the NFL is, no one is standing out that strong. Why not? Why not the Patriots if they play that type of defense that we saw yesterday and that we've seen in recent weeks? So, so absolutely buying them as a playoff contender, maybe even a division title contender again, don't know if I buy them fully yet as a Super Bowl contender.
6: Well, then I have the same question for you, Scott, about the Kansas City Chiefs. They've had some ebbs and flows, certainly some low points in the yeah. season. But every, everyone now is saying the Chiefs are back. So are you buying into that? Where's your confidence check on the Chiefs?
11: Yeah, I think the Chiefs have built up enough capital with me and I think a lot of NFL fans to say what we saw last week is closer to what they are than what we saw maybe in the prior eight weeks. And primarily because turnovers can be cyclical. They've been so irresponsible with the football. Do you know that going into this week, they have the second most turnovers in the league. The New York Jets are the only team that have given it away more than, than the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think if they tighten that up and I think they can, it is surprising to see Mahomes be as careless with the ball uh, as as he's been. If they tighten that up, there's still 35 points waiting to happen on offense with all the diversification of the weapons and with Mahomes being who he is. So so I, I think either whatever cliche you want to use, they flip a switch or I would just put it they're closer to last week in terms of what they truly are in 2021 than they were in the prior eight weeks. And I'm doing that based on the personnel that they have and the capital that they built up in my brain from the last year and the year prior to that.
5: Scott Hansen, NFL Red Zone with us on 101 ESPN. Scott, I think that Red Zone and the the way you do Red Zone is an absolute reflection of where American society is right now. We're we're an HDA, ADHD society. I can't even remember that for thirty seconds. <laughs> do, do, do you guys recognize that that it's you are like the personification of what America is right now? Football fans that don't yeah. have a very long attention span.
11: Yeah, yeah, I you know it, it is, and that's uh, that's for better or for worse. I guess maybe a little bit of both sprinkled in. You know, I think you and I go back far enough. We might be able to remember that I'm an old-timer, so I go back all the way to the to the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. The way to watch the comprehensive look at the NFL was to watch Howard Cosell <laughs> do halftime highlights on Monday Night Football. I got okay? so mad and when he didn't have
5: the Cardinals on, too. for The football Cardinals in St. Yeah, Louis. Yeah,
11: exactly. And and you know what? And you and you wanted to hear, you know, George Rogers. The young, I don't do a very good cosell, <laughs> but you know when he would when he would accentuate some new rookie guy that you hadn't seen. I grew up in the Detroit area, so when you saw somebody that you had kind of heard about or read about in the newspaper, but you got to see them, it was amazing. Now, okay, that was the day after all those games happened, right? But it was the way to look at the ten thousand foot view of the NFL. Then you fast forward to the late. 80s and all through the 90s, the best way to get the 10,000 foot view of the NFL was Chris Berman and Tom Jackson mm-hmm. and NFL primetime, right? The fa- must see TV and, you know, Boomer doing his thing, all that. Okay, that was hours after those games had ended, two, three hours, depending on if it was early or late window, right? Well, you see where we're going. Now, the best way to get the 10,000-foot view of the NFL for a society that wants a microwave hot dog in 12 seconds <laughs> to be hot and ready for them is we want it right now as it's happening. And NFL Red Zone has morphed into that type of uh, uh, filling that desire, that need for fans. Couple that with the proliferation of fantasy football and in, in even recent years and months – gambling and legalized sports betting on the nfl it it is it's the perfect application for a lot of people when when their favorite team is playing hey we don't want to impede on that at all go watch every every snap of whoever the cowboys or the packers or whoever your favorite team is but when your favorite team is not on come and be with us and it's the best way to rock and roll through a sunday afternoon
3: absolutely you guys do a fabulous job i am interested from a st louis perspective um are people in your circles talking at all about what's happening with Kroenke and the lawsuit that the NFL is is facing with the uh, the St. Louis folks? Is that being talked about at all? Yeah. You, uh, I,
11: I can't speak for all of the different uh, outlets uh, at NFL Media. I am paying attention to it just because the stakes seem as high as they get. Sure. I mean, when you're talking about the money and then with the – I don't know if we could just say if we could say it's factual or not, but the rumors or reports that have been out there that there has been some concern, if or even friction, or maybe stronger terms between Stan Kroenke and his fellow owners, but in terms of how the responsibility plays out, I don't think it's getting a lot of national run. But I know that people who follow the NFL that uh, are are mindful of the the health of the league, they're like, how is this gonna? How is this ultimately gonna? going to play out. It's interesting you say this. I actually was explaining the situation to a friend of mine who's a football fan. Uh, she doesn't work in in uh, in sports television, but I was explaining it to her and she had no clue and she loves watching the games and everything like that. She didn't have any clue about it. So I don't think it's a it's a front burner national issue for the fan base, but I think people who follow the NFL and care about the league are definitely keeping an eye on it.
3: That's what we like to hear.
6: Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> well, Scott, I did uh, want to ask... Is, is it
11: front-page news there every day? Oh, is yeah. That, I, I would assume that it is. Yeah. Scott,
3: it's yeah. our Super Bowl. It's unbelievable the reaction wow. we get.
5: Wow.
11: Wow.
3: And I think a lot of yeah. people want to I hear what to... you just said, which is we've been saying this in St. Louis for many, many years, and now this, uh, the information is, is getting carried. I mean, we're very proud here in town. We're very proud of our town and, and have an understanding sure. of why this happened and that... You know, they shouldn't just fall on uh, because people think, well, it's just a failure to support the team. And that, that could be the furthest thing from the truth. Mm-hmm. So that's where we're at.
6: Well, Scott, I did have yep. one uh, Rams-related football question, what's happening on the field. They obviously lose to the San Francisco sure. 49ers 31-10 on Monday Night Football last week. And I can look at this game one of two ways, that this was a great win for the 49ers and this is an opportunity for them to build on it. Or I could look at it from the Rams saying that they're just acquiring a lot of stars and it might not translate for them as far as postseason success goes. Which team did you learn more about in that game, the Rams or the 49ers?
11: Mm, that's a good way of putting it. Um Oh boy! Um, I'm going to say the 49ers uh, because the Niners are still s- scratching and clawing to try and even get into a playoff position. They but well, they sit at four and five right now. They're outside of the, the the playoff picture. And I realize we're just getting you know towards we're in the back half of the season. We're not in playoff push mode, but every win counts. The Niners have had the Rams number, so. I don't know if I learned that much about the Rams in in that in that game because I think they have a bad matchup with the 49ers for any number of reasons. But I think I learned from the 49ers that they can still be lethal on offense in the ways that we've seen playoff Niner teams in years past. Kyle Shanahan dialing up a, a number of different creative type run plays, and Jimmy Garoppolo still being able to be effective, George Kittle able to be one of the top three tight ends in the league and and debo samuel it's just growing more and more into just a man on the outside and not only on the outside as a wide receiver but being able to be that versatile type position where he's a handful i mean you got to have like a linebacker to try and bring him down on a one and one tackle just because uh, of his strength and yet his speed and, and diversification almost beg for a corner to be following around, and that's why he's one of the top, top five receivers in the NFL in terms of, of uh, receiving yards. So I think I learned more about the Niners, that they could still be a very dangerous team and maybe even get back into the playoff conversation in the NFC rather than, oh, okay, the shine is off the Rams and the OBJ trade and the Von Miller move wasn't, or acquisition I should say uh, and the von Miller acquisition you know weren't what they really needed although the Rams they, they need to wake up with a couple of losses back to back I think I did still learn more about the 49ers though than I did the Rams
5: Scott Hansen I started in this business in 1983 and you are one of the most talented broadcasters I've ever witnessed you what you do is amazing wow. and I, I love watching what you do and I can't imagine that you don't leave the studio without a massive headache every Sunday <laughs>
11: <laughs> <laughs> you know, Well, you guys know, I, so I have my IFB, my, my earpiece, for those who don't know. And I have my earpiece in my left ear. And when I, I throw to the touchdown montage at the end of the show, and I say, ladies and gentlemen, when we're looking at every touchdown from every game, we roll that video, I pull that earpiece out, and I have to brace myself on the desk. I, my equilibrium is off from having that stimulus in my left ear seven straight hours so it is it is a mixture of exhaustion and and almost like a confusion like (laughs) my brain is like coming back into my head after that but it's also a feeling of satisfaction and i thank you for the compliment because i know it's it's heartfelt and like you said you go back to the early 80s and you've seen a lot of people I, i thank you for that and i hope it's as fun to watch as it is for us to produce that show because uh we love doing it and can't wait for the next sunday
5: it is have a great weekend and have a happy thanksgiving
11: Thanks. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll see you guys on Sunday.
5: Thanks, Scott. Scott Hansen, who does NFL Red Zone. He's exceptionally talented, does a magnificent job.
6: He really does. And people don't understand how difficult that is. Unscripted, he has to know everything about every game that's going on, be able to navigate those waters, and he does it to perfection.
3: Do it on the fly, too. Not not an easy thing to do. He's right. By the way, when I was doing the blues at ice level, he's 100% right. You walk out of there and you don't realize, like, your ears are ringing Mm -hmm. from the earpiece in there and oh baby was going crazy at oh the time baby. or John Kelly yep. so yeah it'll it'll Rattle your cage a little bit. A couple of
5: things that we want you to know about. Number one, Red Friday for the Cardinals. A variety of five, six, and ten game packs along with single game all-inclusive tickets available in just a couple of minutes at cardinals.com slash Red Friday, or you can head downtown, or you can call the Cardinals at 314-345-9000. You can get Cardinal tickets starting today for your holiday gifts for others. Also, and we haven't mentioned this, but in a couple of minutes, the groundbreaking for the new indoor facility at Mizzou. It's going to be called the Stevens Indoor Facility and Munchoy, the Chancellor at Mizzou, Robin Weniker from the Board of Curators, Desiree Reed-Francois, AD and the hip football coach Eli Drinkwitz are going to be there. So congratulations to Mizzou. They raised a
3: ton of money and that new indoor facility is going to be state-of-the-art. Arms race, huh? that's
5: what oh, it is yeah. in keep, the sec
3: well you gotta have a crane somewhere yeah somewhere on campus gotta have a crane right, exactly <laughs> you gotta keep building
5: that
6: means progress yep. yep
3: congratulations to james
5: from fairview heights he knew that paul goldschmidt was the player that was going to reunite we man knew. there's a lot of people that were texting Goldie, yeah, yeah they, they knew the man. appetite
6: for tickets is still there i guess yes
5: <laughs> and time. i also want you to know that at union station today Uh, They've got a lot of things going on. The Polar Express is getting started. They've got uh, the great things happening at the Soda Fountain. But this afternoon from 5 to 7, Puppy Picks with Santa. Take your dog down to Union Station and maybe get a Christmas card made. It's at Union Station today from 5 to 7. You can get pictures taken with your
3: dog and with Santa November 19th. That's today, 20th and
6: 21st. Wow, does Doug have an appointment?
3: No, Doug is not. We were missing two of our dogs yesterday. We had a lot of things going on in my house, but uh, yeah. You know, whatever. So just uh, all you need to
5: do is Google Union Station. I think I should get, do that with Doug. Yeah, get, the, get the picture taken with, uh, with the dog. Uh, Are you doing that, Randall? Uh, we have not decided yet, but I would think there's a chance that that might happen. All right. Yep. Great job today by our producer engineer, the one and only Andrew Marsh. Fantastic first week. We're proud of you. Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm, I'm glad everything went smooth. It did. And uh, once it doesn't, you'll know about it. Okay. I, I hope <laughs> that doesn't ever happen. It'll totally be fine. <laughs> Michelle, this was fun.
6: It was. You guys have a great weekend. I'll talk to you Monday.
5: Yes. And uh, ILL. INI. Even without Brett Bielma. COVID.
6: COVID.
3: COVID problems. Danny Mack, who do we got coming up? Do you know? Yes. Ryan Fagan of the Sporting News will be our guest. And uh, get into the MVPs, Shohei Otani and uh, Bryce Harper. And we're about two weeks away from potential lockout in baseball, mm-hmm. so I'm sure we're going to talk about that. Danny Mac and BK coming up at the top of the hour for all of us. Thanks for tuning in,
5: texting in, and being a part of the show until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.